following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthman. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. I think Jackal's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you again. The Jackal. All right, everybody, welcome to the world infamous Inside the Jackal's Head right here live on PSN-Radio.com and on SoFloRadio.com. And uh, tonight we're going to do something special for a very special friend who sadly we're uh, mourning. And uh, this is going to be a very tough show for me to get through, folks. As you uh, might notice, we're starting off a little bit early. Normally the show starts at 10 p.m. Eastern. We started at 9 tonight because there's a lot uh, to talk about. Right off the bat, I, I want to welcome into the uh, show Brian the Beast London, who is uh, joining me on Skype here. And uh, Brian, can you hear me? Are you okay? Yeah, man. I'm here. Uh, we're going to uh, be joined by Alan Michaels in a little while. Tony C is joining us. Uh, he had the Groovathon show with George. And uh, we're going to have a couple hours here just to talk about George and what he meant to each one of us. Uh, We all have our, you know, our own experiences uh, with George, and uh, we all go uh, back uh, decades, some of us. Uh, I've known uh, George uh, really uh, for the last 12 years in person, myself personally, uh, but I've known of George for a good portion of my life, about 30 years I've known George. In fact, uh, Brian, it's awesome that you're here because I know you've known George a very long time. So it's uh, it's only fitting that you're here first, uh, and the rest of the uh, cast is going to join here in a little bit. Um, my personal experience with George, like I said, uh, meeting him in person, I have to thank out first and foremost, was uh, set up by our good friend uh, of George's, and I'm sure of yours also, Lewis, uh, from the Powwow Show. Uh, which, uh, you know, me and him met because I was looking for George online. George had just been let go from uh, that uh, evil station uh, that is owned by an evil corporation now, which we not shall name because we don't want to give him any plugs. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I I reached out online. I was trying to find George, and I was like, where did George go? Where did George go? And uh, I know Neil was still on the air, and they had a sub-co-host uh, subbing in, and producing uh, with Neil, and it was just, uh, it was a disaster. And uh, as soon as I found, uh, you know, George online, I was like, oh, my God, he's he's online. He's trying to do something, and it's SoFlo Radio. This is awesome. And I had been already trying to podcast myself. So as soon as I, I see that he's doing his, uh, his thing, I, I reached out to him an email, uh, my podcast. He was really nice, and he replied back immediately. Uh, George, he replied back immediately. But I never really got to speak to him until a couple uh, years after that, when he was really like taken off. And it was right at the time uh, after Neil, right before Neil passed away, actually, uh, where I I spoke to uh, Lewis and uh, Lewis was doing the powwow, and I was like, man, you know, George replied back once to me, and I talked to him on air a bunch of times when he was on that other uh, AM station, and uh, I'd love to meet him one day. And he's like, oh, man, yeah, for sure, you know, I'll, I'll you know, make sure you guys link up. And uh, my fandom for the Neil Rogers show, uh, Brian, started off because I heard George before I heard Neil on the air, which is, like, it's the funniest thing in the world. This is going to blow you away of how, like, 
profound in the, the connections between me and, uh, and George. I used to listen to radio when I was a kid. I was one of those rare kids that ran home. Instead of watching news or watching TV or cartoons or Silver Spoons or different strokes, whatever was on at that time, you know, uh, reruns or whatever, I would put on the radio. And what captivated me early on was Art Bell, Phil Hendry. That's what got me started on listening to terrestrial radio. And one day I turned into that uh, one of those other stations, and uh, I hear this uh, young guy going off, and it's George. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy? And he was really funny, like really, really funny. And I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. You know, I, you know, this guy, like he speaks like me. He's a young guy. And uh, I was really young. I, I'm 42 now, so imagine George passed away in his early 50s, you know. So he, he was a little bit older than me, but not too, too much. And uh, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, this guy's great. And then the next show I hear, it's Neil. And I'm like, what happened to the other guy? You know, I had to put together, I was, remember I was young, I didn't put together the, the difference. And then I realized, oh, George was subbing for Neil, who was off. And then it, I started listening more and more, and I became a huge fan over the uh, course of the 90s. And uh, then when they switched uh, to the other network, I carried over, and I, you know, I started listening to them there. And I, and my, my fandom just kept on and kept on and kept on until the moment I got to uh, meet him. And George was so nice after I met him that he invited me to go and uh, be part of the funeral and, and stuff for Neil and uh, to be, a, you know, one of the members there and uh, sign to the speech, uh, the whole thing. And I was, you know, blown away by how he was able to keep composure uh, during that time. And I'll tell you, uh, I lost my mother in 2016 to cancer, and one of the first people that called me was George. And this that's the kind of human being he was. I mean, you know, he he goes to me, hey, man, you know, I heard about your mom, and, um, you know, my condolences, anything I could do, you know, uh, I know that, you know, my resources are limited, but, you know, anything I can help with, any uh, anything at all you need, man, you need a shoulder to cry on, you know, my studio where I'm at, come by, you know, we'll, we'll shoot the shit, you know, have a smoke or two, we'll, we'll hang out. And, uh, you know, and he was always a good friend. And, uh, you know, I, I told him over the years, I was like, George, uh, put it into a scientific perspective. So I'm, I'm, my show's about, you know, deals with science, conspiracies, paranormal, you know, entertainment. We do a lot of different things. And I was like, put it into perspective. I told him this about maybe two, three years ago, four years ago. I told him, uh, you know, after my mom passed, I told him, uh, you know, the way that I see things is like every solar system has a binary star. Neil was a star of you know, the Neil Rogers show. You were the binary to that star system. You guys complimented each other, complimented each other like I've never seen on radio before. And even in our solar system, you know, we're finding that we have a, a binary star out there somewhere. We know it's there, but we just can't see it. And that was George. He was the unseen shining talent where he was so gifted, Brian, and so talented and so underappreciated, which it's an incredible thing that his talent, you know, now we're seeing the, the the nature of it, how everybody's come together and they're paying their respects and they're showing their love, to, you know, for George. And I don't think he understood how much he meant to every individual, like myself, for example. I wouldn't have gotten interested in doing this if it wasn't for his encouragement. 
when he sent me that quick email back saying, yeah, man, that was great. I loved what you did. This is back 2007 or 8 when he first, uh, you know, got let go, or 9 when he got let go from the other station. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, that's great. I'm glad you're doing something. I'm going to be doing something on, uh, on the Internet, too. And, you know, we should definitely talk one day. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I lost contact. I started doing my thing on Block Talk Radio. And then thanks to Lewis again from the Powwow who made it all connect. And uh, we've been friends ever since. You know, uh, George is, I'll consider him one of my uh, lifelong uh, friends. Even though I've only known him for 12 years in person, I've known him since a kid, basically. And he's he's more like, not, not even a friend, he's like a mentor, uh, almost a big brother figure. Somebody I could always count out to talk to. And... Mind you, completely different political aspects as myself. Um, I'm not conservative or Republican, but I'm in the middle. And I lean a little bit more towards the conservative uh, than he did. He was a little bit more liberal. And we never had an argument, which is, argument, you know, it's weird. But we never had any fights over it. We got along great. Uh, you know, we never argued about anything. It was, you know, we understood that, you know, what was said sometimes was jokes you know, like he would rip on me, and he would rip on him. Uh, between friends, we all rip on each other. You know, it's just one of those good nature things. And I love the man to death. I really did. I mean, other than my mother passing away, uh, this has been the toughest week in my entire life. And uh, I want to thank you for being here, Brian. And uh, you know, I want to give you, uh, you know, your time also before I bring in Tony C and others who are going to join us here. And by the way, we are live again on PSN-Radio.com and on uh, showflowradio.com. Uh, Brian, uh, I know you've uh, been sitting there uh, patiently. Uh, go through you know, your uh, five steps uh, with George and uh, how that happened, because I know you have a, a very rich and beautiful backstory with this man. Yeah, so um, just like Joe Costello, I was working at, uh, at that station we won't name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back, back in 97... Um, when Neil left IOD and was going to make his way over to that station on your AM dial. And, um, you know, as I explained in my YouTube video that I did on my YouTube channel, um, you know, all of us that were interested in radio, we have non-competes. And uh, so the way to get around a non-compete was to hire you at a different position. So... Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, George came on board where we were at as a production guy because so that he could he could be working um, and not violate his non-compete while Neil was over vacationing in Europe until Neil's non-compete was off up. And then Neil started on that station um, December 30th of 1997. So I met George um, um, in 97 when he was doing production for us. I mean, I I found the Neil Rogers show late Um relatively speaking, because I didn't really know about it until I got down here and was in college in the nineties. Um, you know, so I missed the early days of, of Zeta Neil and all the other different incarnations of the Neil Rogers show. So I found it on IOD with Phil and, and Randy Rhodes and Brooke Daniels and, and Rick and Rick and Suds and all that stuff. And then obviously it was stoked when I heard, that Neil was coming over to uh, to where I was at, where Joe Costello was at. And um, so I met George then and immediately off the bat just realized, man, this guy is the consummate radio professional. Like I need to soak up every bit of knowledge that this dude has. Um, and from there, um, you know, 
at that point, then Neil started his show. We were in different buildings. You know, that's where Joey C joined the show. He was board hopping in one building. Neil and George were in another building. And then eventually we all moved into the same building. And um, yeah, we became we became fast friends, great coworkers. But he became a mentor of mine because, you know, I was a young buck coming up in this industry. And um, as I stated in the YouTube video, man, we would all just go and sit in, uh, you know, George and Neil had a different studio than the rest of us. So um, we would just uh, go and sit in that studio and watch George and Neil work because they were the you know two most professional people at radio and watching George produce that show, answer the phones, uh, talk on the air. Uh, edit stuff, do all the production, do everything. He was a one-man band. I've never seen anyone work at it like George did. And it was just uh, awe-inspiring to watch him um, produce uh, you know, a show that you would think, hey, Neil doesn't really need a lot of help, right? He's the smartest guy there is. He's, he takes care of his own research. He wasn't like other hosts I work with that basically like I had to do all their work for him. But George went above and beyond for Neil. Whatever Neil needed, whatever phone calls had to be made, whatever had to be done, whatever production had to be done, George would get there early, stay late, whatever it took. And I think the biggest thing I took away from George um, as a co-worker was just his work ethic and how amazing he was as a producer and also as a, you know, filling in for Neil. And all of us that that filled in had a chance to fill in for Neil and I did it a handful of times. I mean, you go to sit in that chair and you sweat bullets. And so for George to be the guy that filled in for Neil all the time during the summer, whenever Neil took off, I mean, for him to take that responsibility on was huge and he did a great job with it. Um, and he handled it like a pro. Um, and I know he was scared, uh, crapless when he did it because, you know, you know, you have that audience out there that is looking for great entertainment, but he did a great job. And then obviously we all uh, one way or another found our, our, our butts on the streets from that uh, station that will rename, uh, remain nameless me twice now. Um, <laughs> yep. And uh, he started SoFlo, and he invited me to join, um, you know, said, listen, I, you know, I don't have money to offer. I don't have whatever, but I can offer you an outlet a place to, for the beast to be the beast. And I remember my dad and I had dinner with George at um, Jeff Cohen's old pizza place and a uh, pizza loft. And um, we talked it over and I was like, and I brought my dad along because my dad's a pretty good, smart business guy, whatever. And I was like, dad, what are you thinking? You know, my dad was like, the plan sounds good. This sounds, this sounds like where you need to go. Um, you know, my family was just started at the time. My son was really young. Um, and I wasn't about to, you know, pick my family up and move to Dubuque to be on the radio. So I got my, my, my best friend, Allison Turner, who now produces the Levitard show and other shows at ESPN. And yep. we did the B show. And, um, the fact that we were given that opportunity, the fact that I was given that opportunity to, to branch out from sports um was was amazing to me and I'll forever be in debt and just the events that we have man you were around we did a bunch of events we were we were all over town um mm -hmm. George and Boca and Joe and all of us um 
we ran that thing as well as we could, um, better, probably better than the terrestrial radio operations at the time, as far as promotions and being out and about and doing remotes and being in front of our fans. And, you know, George gave me the opportunity to do play-by-play for roller derby. Never thought I'd do that in my life. And it was amazing. Um, (laughs) But just, just the amount of stuff that we got to do and that we did was really groundbreaking at the time. When you think about it, bro, um, George was a visionary, a groundbreaking Mm -hmm. visionary because easily, could have easily that thing could have turned into a Pandora, to a Spotify, to a to a uh, to any of these networks now that are on your phone. But the one thing that George always wanted to do is make it local, make it Miami, make it South Florida. That's why it was SoFlow Radio. So yep. I mean, if he was in it for the money, he would have made it you know a national thing, and it would have taken off, and we'd all be rich now. But he wanted to keep it for the three hundred five, the nine five four, the five six one. And um, just really a visionary. Um, and um, the amount of gratitude I have for the opportunity that George gave me, for everything that I learned from him um, as a coworker and him as, as the guy that ran SoFlow Radio, um, just invaluable. Um, lessons, lessons I learned from George or things that I passed on to interns and workers that I became a boss, I became a manager in my in my in my second stint in radio and you know i'd be responsible for teaching the youngins and hiring people and training them and all that stuff and a lot of all that knowledge came from george went to me and i passed it on to them so um you know i think you know right now the you know it is it is terribly sad that we lost him at the age of 55 way too early um but the one thing i think that he would be proud of that all of us should be proud of is that his legacy um, lives on, not only in all of us, but the generation after us who we, you know, taught all that stuff to. So yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I'm just thankful I got to spend 12 years with George, at least, uh, if not more, maybe more, maybe like 16, whatever it was. Um, and then I got to pass on all of my knowledge that I got from George, all my t- hours watching him do it of listening to him do it. I got to pass it on to the next generation. And that makes me feel good because I know that, um, I know that he'll live on in all of us and the people after us. So yeah. to me, that's, that's, that, that's the shining thing about the whole situation. That's the, that's the positive out of the negative. Um, he'll be missed. Um, you know, we hadn't talked recently, but it's somebody that um, I know in a heartbeat, if he needed to take his shirt off to lend me, he would do it. Um, and just, just the, you know, he was a mensch of all menches, uh, (laughs) to go to my Yiddish terms. Um, and, uh, there's no one that would do more, be there for you if you needed it, needed to talk, whatever, um, than George. And, um, and I think the other thing is, and I know, um, you know, I've talked to Sabrina a little bit, um, and we're all, we're all definitely, um, there for, for his family, but, um, George was an amazing dad. And there's no uh, better sign of a human being than to be a great parent. And he yeah. was that. Um, yeah. that's, that's, that's the lasting thing um, is in his legacy is, is what he taught all of us. But more importantly, great parent to two amazing daughters. And um, just that legacy lives on. Um, so, you know, I'm getting a little bit sad, but um, I'm thinking about the positives.
think about the positive, my man, and I appreciate you having me on to uh, share a little bit. Yeah, no, no, uh, it, uh, it's heartfelt, man. In fact, you know, your story uh, goes along with what I was talking to Alan about, uh, you know, the fact that uh, George was uh, kind of like, and, and I equated to him being like the glue that kind of kept a lot of us together over the years. Uh, even after Neil was still on the air for the extra, you know, months uh, that he was on uh, that other station, uh, everybody, I think, gravitated to the Internet to find George, which was funny. Uh, rarely do you see that happen where a person who's a co-host or a producer for a show on AM radio who leaves the show early has uh, the fan base searching for him on the internet, particularly for him. And uh, that was the kind of guy George was. I want to thank you, though, for for sharing your story with us, man, and uh, being uh, here with me. I know that uh, your time is limited. I want to thank you uh, for you know your support on the GoFundMe account also, uh, which can be found on showfloorradio.com anybody who goes there can see the uh, the page please donate to it it's going for a good cause it's uh, going to uh, his kids Sabrina and Bella and uh, they need you know the help right now uh, they need all the support they can get because uh, you know this is uh, unexpected it's uh, something that you know I went through and I know how much it means to lose a parent and the void that's there it's a lifetime uh, so anything we could do as friends of George's, uh, you know, it's just uh, something we all should definitely get together and, and do. So uh, thank you for spreading that also around. And uh, God bless you for, for being part of uh, the podcast here tonight. Uh, um, you know, it's not, there's not much more that I think that uh, could be uh, said uh, on your end other than, uh, you know, your own experiences uh, with George. And uh, those are the lifetime memories, which... I don't know, you know, we, we never know how long that's going to be, so we just got to, like, live every day by, uh, you know, the, the blessings that we have. And take, you know, no, don't take anything for granted. That's one thing that George taught me. Don't take anything for granted. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the day. And uh, just uh, kick back, relax. And, uh, you know, w- when things get too out of hand, remember the good times. And just remember to move forward and remember that you're living a gift. That's why it's called the present. And me and him would have conversations off the air, and I would tell him, George, um, you know, you called me about this one issue, and we've talked about so many other things except for the issue you called me about. And uh, it, that was just George, you know, and it always led back to his kids and his uh, his family and, you know. Yeah, man, hey, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, and any way that I can help, let me know. People out there can... Um, Look me up on the social at Miami Radio Beast, and uh, I've tweeted the uh, GoFundMe a bunch of times, and um, I really, you know, we really need to to make sure that we we take care of Sabrina and Bella, and um, and keep George in our memory, man. So thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for being here. We'll talk soon again, and best of luck to you. That is the great. Brian the Beast London, and I'm going to uh, bring in now uh, Zod Ryder onto the call here with me, and uh, are you there, Zod? Hello. There you go. Welcome, sir. Thank you for inviting me. No, no, thank you for being here. I, I'm sorry that uh, when I logged you in earlier, my screen went blank. I had to, like, turn Skype off and turn it back on. It's uh, It's been doing that for some ungodly reason. Yeah, That's well, I, when I when I came on, I, I noticed you were on video, and I'm like, well, maybe maybe it's because you're on video, and it's and it's bogging down your Skype. It could be. I'm not sure that's the case, but either way, I mean, I was uh, 
That was cool. I'm going to get Tony C. on the line here, and uh, Tony's going to join on, on the call in a second here. Um, I know you have very limited uh, experience uh, with uh, dealing with George. Uh, but Yeah, I think I only spoke with George twice, and at one time, yep. and then the first time was, was when you introduced me, and then the second time was uh, we were all together on a group call. Right, yep. And, uh, you know, you don't know uh, the the entire history, uh, I guess, of uh, when I met George and how I met George. I'm not sure if you know the whole history of I've told you or anything. But uh, today, we're you know, we're here to celebrate the life of the guy and uh, not my personal life, but his. And, uh, you know, one thing that uh, always remains with me is oh. the, the fact that uh, George uh, was always uh, somebody that, you know, even as some time passed, it didn't matter once we reconnected. It was like nothing had happened, you know, and uh, like no time had passed. And, uh, you know, I, in the last few years, it's been just horrible dealing with all the deaths and, and all that stuff. And uh, to be able to, to come together and, uh, you know, join up and uh, and celebrate at least our, you know, a good friend of mine and a good friend of uh, Tony C. here is on the line with us. Tony, welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing, buddy? Thank you very much. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Beautiful, man. Well, that's care of George who sent me these uh, this headset with a uh, microphone on it when we had to do the show remotely because of the coronavirus. I depended on him for everything technical. Remember, <laughs> any, anything that had to do with actually doing a radio show at, in any capacity, that's, you know, I had, I had to completely rely on George for that because he was the real radio guy. I was just some guy who, like, wanted to play a bunch of music and rant and rave on the air for a while that's what that's what he was you know share uh, your stories uh how you met george i I definitely want to hear that i think the funny thing is is that skype issues i wouldn't know how to do skype without george he's literally the first person i ever did it with and you know i i stumbled ass backwards into greatness with george um i it's the luckiest draw i've ever had i had a uh friend of mine from a local band and uh i'm not from florida and so uh he was a guest on a show that george was producing on soflowradio.com and uh this friend of mine uh posted about it on facebook and i said you know because i had been thinking about putting together a show you know the way i wanted to do it um and so I, you know, got in touch with George and it took a couple of phone calls. But within a month of actually sitting down and having lunch with him, uh, we did our first show back in April of 2015. And he really he was sitting next to me for every single show we ever did over the next five years. And he really, you know, I, I said it numerous times over the course of uh, 111 shows that he really was beyond supportive of doing a show that wasn't being done by anybody else a a uh format and we we called it a genre without genre and he was so supportive of that but also he was totally the yin to my yang um over five years you know, when I first met him, I didn't know who Neil Rogers was. I'd never heard of the guy. So, you know, all these, you know, it wasn't until I guess he had to go up to Chicago 
and accept the award uh, for Neil at the uh, Radio Broadcasters Hall of Fame and do the induction speech. It was yep. only after that that I found out who Neil Rogers was. I had no idea who any of these people were. I was just some guy who wanted to play music and rant on, on the radio. And so he really, over the years, um, taught me how to do a show. He showed me what it takes um, to put in the work and to, to, you know, one of the things that we had in common is I, you know, I had said a, a bunch of times on the show, we, we were like the steely Dan of uh, radio production because both of us were just so totally anal retentive. So everything <laughs> we 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 eventually started putting together the sets of music. And what we would do is I would put the music in the order, you know, for the various sets. And then I would send them, send the songs to him. And he would make one big, uh, you know, track out of it so that they all mixed together. And he would mix together all of the songs. And eventually I, I bugged him for years. And eventually I finally got him uh, this year on a few of the shows to put together his own sets. I was like, dude, man, you know you're a music junkie just like me. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so, he and was he ever like, people don't know about that about George, but oh, yeah. he loved music. Are you kidding me? We and used to have conversations was... just about his favorite rock bands. And, uh, he like, he, he liked some rap music, but he's like, ah, I don't like that. Well, new rap. <laughs> he, he played, yeah. He, he was like me. I mean, I'm old school all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Eric yeah, yeah. B and Rakim. I go Correct. way back. LL yeah. Cool J, all of that stuff. And I have tons of the music that he put in folders for me to listen to. And he was a big fan of, like, Brit rock that people hadn't heard of. He was a big Kraftwerk fan. And uh, I actually took him, the last show that we ever did, which was, I guess, about three and a half weeks ago, it was uh, September 17th, wow. uh, was a show on which we uh, did an interview. I interviewed Bootsy Collins on the show. Wow. Yeah, which I, yeah, exactly. I mean, come on, man. That's what I said. I was like, that's probably the coolest half hour in my entire life was that. Was being able to do an interview with Bootsy Collins. And last year, I took him to see Parliament Funkadelic uh, with Fishbone opening at Revolution. I got wow. tickets for him as a surprise. Um, and we went to that show, and it, it probably... As uh, we talked about with Bootsy, it's probably the last Parliament Funkadelic show ever because it was the last show on that tour. And so, you know, that was a real and he was a superstar at Revolution. They like recognized him. We got VIP treatment because of him. And they everybody knew George. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. All right, and, and uh, I'm just kind uh, of uh, standing there. I'm like, holy, you know, he, he's just a friend <laughs> to me. <laughs> Oh, like hey, Tony, it's funny because when I would go to uh, the old studio we had in Hollywood, um, you know, it was a little kind of like a shack uh, type of uh, location. I remember going in there, and I was like, I what, didn't know what Hayes, to uh, Where he lived, on on Hayes Street, right? Right, yeah, exactly, that one. Yeah. And, I, and the first time I went in there, I was so nervous. Monica was going to join us in a little bit here. I uh, was in there as his co-host, and, uh, you know, she was there, and uh, Boca was there. And I went in, and I was so nervous. I've only been nervous on radio twice, and that was the uh, the second time. The first time was when I had Travis Walton from Fire in the Sky. 
and I was, you know, shaking because this is a guy who possibly actually met aliens, right? So I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, and that was an experience. But when I sat in front of George, I had, like, this fanboy experience where I didn't know what to say. I didn't know where to go next. I was like, uh, because, you know, I don't know if you guys were listening when I was talking to, to Beast earlier. My early experience or my first experience listening to George O'Neill was I heard George first. And a lot of people can't say that. Everybody goes through yeah. Neil first, right? Uh, I remember as a kid, because remember, I, I'm a lot younger than George was. I'm 42. Uh, I would go home, and instead of playing TV or radio or music or whatever, I would listen to talk radio. And what got me into it was uh, was Phil Hendry and was Art Bell back in the, the early 90s. And one day I turned into the radio, and I, I turned in uh, to uh, IOD, and uh, there is this guy named George Rodriguez. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy? You know, I hadn't really heard this uh, this time slot before, and I didn't know who he was. And he's going on and on and on. And I'm like, wow, this guy's great. I'm going to have to like, start listening earlier. And uh, I became a fan. He was on for a couple of times. And then I listened one day, and then Neil's on. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? What happened to the other guy? And then slowly I realized, oh, the other George was filling in for Neil. That's why he kept saying that he's, you know, that Neil will be back on, back on. And I, I, you know, as a kid, I didn't realize what was going on until, like, it, it dawned on me that he was actually the sidekick and uh, or the co-host. And I was like, man, they complement each other so brilliantly. It was one of those just amazing combinations where it's like, it's like George. It's like Shaq and Kobe. Anybody. Yeah, it's he, like a Shaq and Kobe or whoever he was on the air with. Yeah, he complimented them perfectly. That he was the consummate pro mm-hmm. in that regard. He always knew whether you know whether he was the primary or the secondary. You know, he he always was the perfect person to have on the air with you. He he's people don't realize how freaking smart he is. Okay, yeah. this is a. This is an extremely well-read, well-educated, worldly guy, okay? And it's, it's hard to get a, a feel for that because, you know, I, I, I guess I was fortunate in that I wasn't as nervous when I first went on the air because I didn't know who he was. He was just some guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, and, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, he just... And he made it hey. so comfortable for me. He made it so incredibly comfortable for me. And I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I, I literally, you know, because he was going to assign a producer to do the show. And after about four or five shows, he, he basically came to me and said, you know what? I'm, I'm sticking with this one. And, <laughs> I'm, you know, and he's been on the he's I've never done a show without him. And, and I can't even, you know, people have been asking me, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know how to do a show without George. I don't yeah. know how. I, I, I can't imagine it. I, it's, it was such a gut punch. Um, it, not it's just been, from the it, point of view of the show, but he was such a really good friend. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a guy, this is a guy lay down in traffic for you. Yeah. And, you know, if he... It doesn't matter. He went through some hard times financially. And here's the thing, Angel. 
you know, I said on your show any number of times, I sent you that clip, mm-hmm. okay, the, about me talking about you. People don't know that basically you are the savior uh, for SoFloRadio.com uh, as far as keeping it at least alive so that it can continue, so that there's the shows are still out there, so that it doesn't fade into obscurity or people just rummage through and, and pick at the bones of it and destroy it. You came out and, and came right to him and, and said, you know, I'll host you on, and put you under the PSN umbrella and put you on the SoundCloud page. And you really, that was so huge. I don't think people understand what a great friend you were to him at the time he needed you the most for that. You were there 100%. And me personally, I'll never be able to thank you enough. I'll never be that. able to thank you enough for coming through like that. You came through like a champion. I told you the other day. Mm. That was so huge when he had to move the studio and yeah. he moved into the new house and everything. And I remember going over there and thinking to myself, I love this setup more. Covered parking. <laughs> and the bathroom is right there. You know? It was it was so nice and easy. It was great. Oh, if it wasn't for the distance, I definitely would have been around more. Uh, and, I, I, you know, we have other uh, people who have just joined. Uh, Joe Costello has uh, been patiently waiting here. Uh, I want to bring him on. Also, Mitch Phillips is on, on the call with us. And uh, Alan Michaels uh, is on. Uh, Zod Ryder, obviously, is on. Also, Joe, uh, you know, uh, come in and uh, share your uh, thoughts about our friend George. Uh, who we're all just sadly missing here in the uh, morning. Well, thank you for inviting me on the show, guys. It's been great listening to you all wax nostalgic about our buddy George Rodriguez. But I got to say, if George was here and George <laughs> was this, he might he might not uh, appreciate all the all the sucking that's going on. <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll be like, come on, guys, let's start with some humor. Let's start with the jokes. Come on. Let's yeah. get 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 going. <laughs> but that's the guy he was. I mean, that's exactly that's exactly who George was. Even listening back to like the old stuff where uh, with the morning of Suds Coleman who passed away last year, uh, you know, he tried to keep everything in in high spirits and uh, in and uh, as good humored as possible, considering how sad of a situation that was. Because if it wasn't for Suds, there would be no show. Remember that? That's very true. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, just uh, again, you guys are, are filling me in on some aspects of the tail end of George's life that I'm not uh, up to speed on. And that's partly why I want to do all these, because uh, we all really love George. George was a really great, positive energy. And we all have our own George stories. And so uh, but we don't know each other's. And so this is kind of interesting, piecing it all together. The last time I saw George was at the Suds Coleman tribute show at the new studio you guys just referenced and i went over there and you know like i remember the uh, hay street studio which was you know that was george's crack shack for years uh, yeah (laughs) and then it became the radio was his like his hangout and then it became the station but then Mm -hmm. he moved over to the swanky digs on hollywood boulevard and that was just like over the top that was a really cool atmosphere oh yeah And, yeah and then of course uh you know where the suds show happened but um, I had no idea, Angel, that you had done that. I know you guys are friends. Me and Angel, we have never, I don't think we've ever, like, hung out or spoken. I know, well, you knew Eric Harold, right? You guys were working. Yeah, actually, I, I've met you in person. I don't know if you remember. We met at uh, Neil's uh, funeral. We have a picture of you, myself, and Boca. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, we. And it's funny. I met Brian Beast in the bathroom before 
we actually got to the funeral. Uh, I met him at a gas station. This is uh, completely off the mark. And I go to him, hey, beast. And he, he looked at me. He's like, yeah, I think he thought I was a stalker. Because you know <laughs> I've, no, I've known who he's been. I'm, I'm a radio junkie. I know exactly what he looked like. Yeah. And I, I was like, beast. And he's like, he looked at me with his face like, oh, uh, what's going on? And I was like, no, man, I'm going to the, the, the Neo funeral. Are you heading there? And he's like, yeah, I'm on my way there. And I'm off. I mean, you know, cool, I'll see you there. And he's like, who the hell is this guy? Like, he had no idea who I was. And I hear I'm, I'm shouting his name in the middle of a, of, of a gas station bathroom. Like, hey, what's up, Beast? <laughs> hey, Beast. Yeah, that was a sad time. The Neo uh, funeral procession yeah. and all that was uh, crazy. I was... I was thrilled i got to speak at that and we all kind of poured it out for what neil and george was and the fight that they were fighting you know good yeah. people that whole thing um but yeah to to know at the end so i i hadn't seen him since the sud deal i travel a lot for work and it's just one of those deals i've been feeling kind of guilty actually about it that uh you know it was on my to-do list reconnect with george catch up with george do something with george go hang with george yeah. a couple of times a year thing and it just didn't happen and you know since the sud show and um you know i don't know what to say it's like it's a terrible thing but at the same time uh george as we know him is preserved for our lifetimes like that's the only like i don't know what george would think about it obviously he'd want to be here having a good time but the way he lived it was as if he was always aware that this could happen because he had his experience i guess with his brother uh who always wanted to be very healthy he was always discouraging of uh, obeseness, you know, with others. He was uh, trying to live yeah. a healthy life. Oh, he used to he used to get on my ass about that because I'm a big boy, as you can see on camera here. Yes. Uh, I've dropped a hundred pounds, and a lot uh, a lot of that is due to uh, thanks to George and his encouragement over the last uh, five years. Uh, because I let myself go after my mother passed away, I gained a lot of weight, you know, in mourning and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And George used to call me a lot, and he used to tell me, "Hey, bro, how's your health?" And I'd be like, I'm, I'm doing okay, man. He was like, I can't lose you, man. You can't lose you like I lost Eric and I like, you know, like Neil. And you gotta, you, you gotta be around, bro. And I used to be like, ah, I'm cool, man. I'm cool. And he goes, I know you're, you're still mourning. This is a few months after my mom died, and he saw me, kind of like disappearing from radio for a bit. And he's like, and he was like, again, very encouraging. And then he, as he saw that, I ballooned up in weight because of, you know, when you're mourning and you lose a parent, you tend to, you know, overeat or sleep a lot and just, you know, you want to get away from things. And uh, as you saw, I gained a lot of weight. He's like, hey, you know, you got to, like, start getting your life together or we're going to lose you. And uh, over the you know next couple of years, when I got myself on a diet and now I've dropped 100 pounds, he was instrumental in a lot of that. And just his encouragement called me, uh, you know, once in a while. Or even if we went a couple of months without talking, when he would call me, he'd be like, how you doing? How much you've dropped? You know, are you, are you okay? You know, it was always, you know, personal. And he and he right. made it and he made it like you were very important in his life, even though I might have just been another friend. You know, it was always like he he had that special ability to bond with people and and really become like somebody that they would remember forever. And I think that's why we're having this experience not collectively. We're all like you know in this deep uh, shock that he's gone. Yeah, it's it's a horrible uh, experience because you expected him to go for. You know, many more years. Yeah. He had his own universe going on. The whole sofa listening to the Beast was great because Beast's experience and my experience are similar. We were at QAM with George and Neil. I was a Neil and George listener when I was a working schlep. Like they got me through. I got what their the humor was. Neil was a god 
Neil was a god. Like, that's the thing. Neil, God. Like, literally, yeah. that was truth. And this larger-than-life character. And uh, George was his sidekick. But then George took over the show. We had just an outstanding time doing those fill-in-for-Neil summer shows. That was a whole yeah. thing, like, prior to SoFlo, prior to any. Like, those shows, that was high stress. That was a big, um, big step for anybody and, you know, Neil fought for Neil had leverage, but like George is going to do the shows. Enough tapes, man. Enough with the tapes. Yeah. Tapes suck. Everybody yeah. hated the tapes. They <laughs> no did. more reruns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. like something real. George is good enough. George can do it. And George yep. did it. He did a good job. That was very compelling and interesting radio. That's a couple summers of George. He did his work. I think it was like every other day or something like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They got us. And then Tuesday and Thursday wouldn't even. Uh, you know, if memory serves me right, someone will have to fill that in. But I know I remember uh, making lots of tapes and was terrible when George was doing these great shows of subject matter that no one had ever spoke of. And to think yeah. that you first heard George through that, um, that's that speaks volumes, a different demo, a different age dynamic, younger than Neil, probably bringing yeah. in different people. Yeah. Underappreciated what happened those couple of years really should have been. A nice little Neil Rogers spin-off show for somebody on terrestrial radio. And why yeah, that did, it, yeah. I don't know. And I always um it's kind of a I lament the issue. It's like, come on, man, somebody they're giving all these guys it, uh, opportunity. Let George go for a year and see what happens. And yeah. they never You know, it's funny you mentioned Neil God and I always thought of if Neil was God, George was like Jesus to to yeah. Neil's God. He was okay, uh, Jorge, yeah, Jorge. No, 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 no. Jorge Cristo. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you something right now. I can guarantee you that George would not <laughs> George would not want to be thought of in any kind of religious uh, way. Well, that, I know that, that's the joke. Yeah, that's the that's the whole joke of it. Yeah, that's the whole joke of it. Bacchus was George's own religion. He believed yeah. in the Church of Bacchus, which yes. is yeah. partying and fun. So he he did. If he was going to choose anything, that would be it. Uh, Bacchus, the uh, the orgies. The, well, he also yeah. all of that. Again, he was his thing. Uh, this last year, he talked about on our show. He was talking about his new thing, which was the Church of the Obvious. <laughs> that is going to yeah. be his new thing now, the Church of the Obvious. I know you say these things, okay? But to me, I see this, and he, you know, one of the things that I guess I'm I'm so grateful for having, unfortunately, now over the last week found out so much about the history of his shows back in the day. I wasn't really familiar with them. I have all these CDs that he gave me of like tracks that he had put together from the Neil Rogers show, all these highlight CDs. But over the last couple of years, it's I'm really grateful that uh, there was a venue for him to say what he wanted to say um in a long form um you know he he did a lot of the uh you know Ooh. this this the the neil rogers type stuff which was really fast paced and in your face and there had there was both seriousness plus but it had to be with a humorous edge to it it always had the edge and george never lost that edge but uh you know over the years i'm i'm so grateful 
that there's a bunch of shows out there where he got to say what he wanted to say. And I've been trying to go through some of the clips and it's just the archives. I've been so remiss in dealing with the archives and there's so much of them. And I've been trying yeah. to find some well, clips. Do you guys mind if I, you know, dive in? Obviously we're remembering George, but yeah, uh, you yeah. mentioned uh, saving SoFlo radio and all that. It was a, that was a big thing. Like I was in very early on that and it was very helpful. And I'm wondering, like, George's audio from that, from that era, like, where is it? Is it available? Do they have it? Did, all that stuff. Uh, I um, do not, like, I, the, the uh, server that Eric mm -hmm. whipped up for me where it would all be, I guess I still have it somewhere, um, but the, uh, the hard drives, like, where those files would be, I don't have no idea. But, man, they were interesting. George on SoFlo, George in the Summers would be different stuff. That would be QAM stuff. I have no idea where that would be. Those yeah. would be great to hear. Well, uh, I... I'm I'm relatively certain that the st all the stuff that he did from the start of SoFloRadio.com, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, Andrew, but most of those archives are on the hard drives and in the systems at his place. Correct. So yeah, I know, they, I know yeah, he's got all yeah. that. Yeah, Sabrina has uh, all that on the computer. Uh, they uh, they hosted the uh, Sam Broadcaster, uh, right. which recorded everything for George. Um, so right. it should all be it should all be logged and uh, archived. Uh, yeah. It's just getting them uh, all online. I, I did transfer a bunch of videos that he had on YouTube from one yeah. account to another. Uh, it took me a couple of days to do the to do that for him because he didn't know how to technically get it done. Uh, so he asked me a while back. He's like, "Bro, can you help me out with this uh, to you know shut this one channel down?" And so I went ahead and transferred a bunch of his episodes. So they're on on YouTube, a lot of them. But they're yeah. from like the 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. Yeah, when they yeah. started doing video, we we started out as Correct. audio only, and when yeah. they put the cameras in there, it was uh, that's when they started going on uh, onto the YouTube. Which yeah. you know he hated it. He hated the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, I can't tell you how many times he goes. We do a radio show. Not a television show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, this yeah. is the future of the medium. And you know what? I want to bring in a, a couple of gentlemen who are uh, patiently waiting here. Uh, Alan Michaels is on and Mitch Phillips is on with us also. Gentlemen, thank you for being patient and being on with us uh, on this very somber but celebratorial moment here for our good friend, uh, George Rodriguez. Hi. Hey, you hear me? Loud and clear. I hear you. you guys. I'll let Alan go first. He's got very little to say. <laughs> wow, that Alan, uh, thank you for being with us, brother. Thank you for the invite. Yes, I'm speaking to you from the South Florida Radio Old Folks Home. <laughs> Hang on one Ron St. John is wheeling by me right now. Hang on one second. All right, that's it. Cut him off. Cut him off. <laughs> off. You know, I want to just say that, um, you know, with all these people that came to know George later, you know, with the entrance of SoFlo Radio, God, I, I feel so old. I mean, I trained the guy that trained George how to be a board operator when George was hired to work with Neil. I actually was Larry King's producer and uh, trained a guy named Nick Lawrence who ended wow. up was the first the first guy that George saw when he was hired to work with Neil. And he, Nick, uh, George had told me that uh, Nick trained him everything in the beginning and broke him in on what to experience with Neil's show. Cause Neil, Neil had been a, a star by that point. I remember Neil from WKAT. I worked at uh, love 94 with a guy named Glenn Hill who became the bird on Neil's show years later. <laughs> 
So uh, I feel very old listening to the folks that came in later on. Uh, you know, and uh, I miss George. It's this very sad event. I just saw George three days before he passed away. Wow. And he, he came to see me right up at the car and, you know, was wearing a mask and wearing gloves. And, and that's the way we saw each other the last 20 times. I had been getting together with George at least twice a month for the last 10 years. And the last, the last 20, 30 times that we saw each other were both in masks and gloves and in the original days of SoFlo Radio. And when I got sick in 2013, I can tell you, that I had dreams that George was operating on me in the operating room. And so when I saw George and COVID happened and he was in the mask and gloves, I was like, oh, boy, I hope it's not the real operation this time. <laughs> but um, I want to express my sorrow, and I'm so brokenhearted. I lost one of the best friends that I ever had. Um, you know, George would love to rank on me just like Mitch just did on the air. And, uh, you know, it, it was just uh, basically uh, fun times, you know. But, but I will tell you, there was no more loyal friend than I had with George. Actually, folks, I had been in Internet radio for 15 years prior to SoFlow Radio with a station called She, uh, SheRadio.com. And when SoFlow came on the air, George had uh, seeked me out for information on online radio and I said, why don't we join forces? And actually, the first year, I'm sure that, that George and Mitch would might remember this, actually, George's show was replayed every day on my station on She in the Morning. And we, had, we were actually, folks, the first internet radio station to have advertising on television. We bought a whole advertising campaign for SoFlo Radio. And uh, we really put our heart into it. And look at the talent that we gathered together for an online stream. I mean, the, Mitch Phillips, Joe Costello, uh, you, you know, uh, Mitch, I'll let you go over the rest of the lineup, The Beast, uh, Gina Martell from Love 94. We, we had a hell of a lineup for an online station. And uh, I actually feel that, uh, and I was with George from the beginning of SoFlo Radio to the to the present date, it's still on the air, uh, thanks to Angel currently. And, and George and I had so many plans. We had actually just acquired NeilRogersShow.com and the trademarks for Neil. So we were ready to move on and do a lot more things. And this came, when I last saw George, we were supposed to have a business meeting on Monday, right after the holiday weekend when he passed. So I am in shock still to this moment. I know a lot of us have not slept very well. I want to access, express my condolences to George's family, to his daughters. And I don't know if a lot of you are aware of this, but George still has a brother alive, an older brother in Cuba. And, uh, you know, he would speak yep. of him to me a lot. And, uh, you know, um, I don't even know if he knows the news by now. But uh, and I'm going to let Mitch get in here because I know uh, he's ready to go here. But I just want to say uh, two short things very briefly. One, George had always shared with me, uh, guys, that when he was a young boy living in Cuba, that one of his favorite things to do was to listen to Miami radio. And he even, you know, I hate to make me sound so old, but he even said he had heard me a couple times on a station called WFUN. 
and his favorite station came to be 560. I won't mention the call letters because you guys seem to have an issue with that. <laughs> but he listened to it for years. And for a man to come out of Cuba, come to the United States, and make it on the same station, 560. Milestone. Actually, a couple condolences. I just heard from Freddie Cruz about George, who is a big uh, you know, Latin American host in the United States. Uh, I, I got a text from Larry King, you know, uh, expressing his condolences. I know Phil Hendry was very broken up when we heard the news. So this is a very sad time for us all. And the only, the only light that I see here is that all the love that's being expressed for George from many people that were touched the same way as I. And I just want to share one more thing, guys, a very personal story, and then I'll let Mitch take over. George actually was such a good friend to me that when my mother passed away, my little brother, who I begged to come over and open up my mother's tube that her ashes were placed in, and he, he was just so hurt by my, my mother passing that he couldn't do it. So George comes all the way over to my house just to help me do it. And he goes ahead and we pop open the top. She was in a plastic tube because we donated her body to science. And the ashes came in a plastic tube. And George helped me pop open the tube. And I accidentally tilted it the wrong way. And my mother's remains come flying out of the tube into the air. Oh and I saw, I saw George dive down to the ground better than any Miami Dolphin. And he caught my mother's ashes before the bag broke open. Oh, and he wow. Looked up at me, he looked at me and said, Alan, I got her. So I, I will never forget that. And what a personal, you know, that only a best friend would do something like that. Uh, and I will miss him, folks, the rest of my life. He's always a part of me. Uh, so go ahead, Mitch. Hey, that's what a good that? voice of Mitch Phillips. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah. Thank you. And Joe, by no. the way, you, you look Lovely. amazing. I just wanted to <laughs> straight up tell you that. You look you really look you look exactly like, like you did when I saw you like ten years ago. And what, you don't? Hell no. See, why don't we get to see you, Mitch? I was what? actually enjoying the show until uh, Angel did sort of a reference to meeting the beast in a gas station bathroom. I don't know if you can get that whole story on this uh, podcast, but maybe maybe in a future one we need to uh, dig deeper into that. Me and the beast were in a truck stop bathroom. Yes. <laughs> and they said, for a good time, call the beast. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? And, and then he just crazy. showed up out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, you know, man. Unlike you guys. I didn't know George nearly as well or as long. Um, I've worked with, I've worked with a lot of you guys in different in different ways. Most notably, I think at QAM when I was doing imaging voices for 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 Neil and for sports and for Panthers and all that stuff. And that's how I think we all we all had established some sort of a relationship. But it wasn't until. Uh, SoFlo Radio rolled around that uh, that I actually uh, I don't know if, Joe if you introduced me to it or I'm not exactly exactly sure how I got involved in that whole mess, but um, it wasn't until SoFlo I mean yeah I knew I knew George on the air 
you know, from being, you know, Neil's producer and then doing the show himself. I didn't know him personally, though. So I didn't have that long, long, long uh, radio connection with George. But um, when So Flow rolled around and 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 George and I uh, uh, spoke and he invited me sort of out of, out of the blue to come aboard uh, So Flow and and do some stuff with him, I was like like honored and flabbergasted and con- I didn't know what to do. I'd never done talk radio. And, uh, I have to say it was a crazy experience. I did. Ha- I had no idea what I was doing, but for some reason, uh, George had the, uh, faith and, and vibe that it would, that it would work, you know? And, uh, I was very envious of the fact that, that George could turn on a microphone and talk about anything for any length of time anywhere. I had I could not absolutely do that. I could not do that. I needed a co-host. I needed notes. I needed a script. I needed a, a whole deal to get going. And I was very I was very jealous of George being able to just vibe and and uh, a vamp and and ad lib and and go on and on and on and on about just about anything he threw at him or he threw at him. He threw at himself. I thought that was an amazing gift that he had to be able to express himself, come up with new ideas and just go on a rant about anything without, I mean, of course he had notes. We all had notes, but he, Joe, you know this. I mean, he could, you too. I mean, you guys all had, you all worked in and talk in sports radio. So it was your, it was your, your, it's in your DNA to be able to, to talk and yap and, 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 and kind of fill time when you, when you had to, right. I never did. I was just announcing songs my whole life, but it's because of your skill set. Listen to you. Come on. You don't need any of this quick, that hit. golden you don't voice. Have to be good at anything else other than just talking. It's totally, yeah. it's just says like, hello. And it's like, everybody's like, wow, that guy's cool. You know, like, like other guys like us, we have to work really hard and think of who George, who is a talkative, uh, outgoing, gregarious personality as it is, who is also very knowledgeable, well, you know, and, and was the, the, the center of attention. He was uh, the center of focus working with Neil Rogers and Neil, the ultimate at it could just do endless scroll of audio, yeah. uh, equivalent and endlessly. And so George got used to it and understood and saw what Neil did. He would go down a road, he would back up, he would hit it from another angle, that kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. Picked up the ability as, as well. And he did a, he did a great job with it. Just different subject matter. That's the Mm -hmm. thing is Neil's subject matter and George's subject matter were very, very different, but you did a great job, Mitch, because you're into comedy and you kind of brought that angle, a little sarcasm to it. And it was kind of, it was fun. It was fun and funny. And it was a big deal when you guys jumped on there. And, um, we definitely had a team. We were out in the public. I heard Beast talking about we were out in the public, and I was thinking about that. Were we out in the public? Like, where were we? Because, you know, I'm the kind of guy, like, I'll do stuff, and my eyes are forward trying to accomplish, remembering all the cool stuff we did, Mitch. Hand like, out flyers. You were handing out a lot of flyers. Man, I handed out so many flyers. I put a bunch of flyers on a Renfest in T.Y. Park. Yeah. We did, like, every car. And you know what? The numbers went up. They went up uh, considerably from those flyers. We tried, man. We tried. SoFlow Radio, we put a lot of effort into it. I think it was just a little bit ahead of its time, and we needed, uh, you know, the, like a, a real savvy sales guy type to take the, um, to take the plunge. The and marketing. That- that's where really, that's where really, I think, we all failed. 
especially early on, we just didn't know how to market. The, but not only Softo, but a lot of these online stations have that issue where marketing is very, very hard to get to come by uh, yeah. because it's not AM terrestrial radio, and uh, some. You know, places don't take it as serious. Now they're taking it more serious because now the Internet has taken over. And, yeah, SoFlo was way ahead of his time. I mean, before I started PSN Radio, there was SoFlo Radio. And the reason that we started our network is uh, on PSN is because we got inspired by George yeah. and by what he was doing. And, and while he wasn't the first, uh, I don't think, Internet radio station, he was the first local Florida radio station online. He was uh, the, the really the one with the most recognition because of the name that he had built up. Uh, as far as I was concerned, I thought th this was going to blow up and be like the next big thing. Like if you would have told me when I met George uh, that he was embarking on something that's going to turn into a Spotify or into an iHeartRadio, I was like, yeah, that's going to be SoFlow Radio in a couple of years because I saw the, the you know the backbone that he was putting together for the network, and I was like, man. All they need is that extra marketing push. And I had uh, years of experience in marketing. I was working on websites and doing other stuff for a company called My Search Enterprise. And that was uh, something that I, I was always talking to George about, you know, doing SEOs and different things, Patreon, uh, you know, different avenues to, you know, not only uh, support himself, but the network, how to build an audience uh, a different way online because he comes from terrestrial radio. So this is all kind of like, you know, groundbreaking to him also. And he, I was the first person that took Sam Broadcaster over to the studio, and I was like, this is how I broadcast. And he's like, oh, what's this? And I started teaching him, like, little things that I would know. And uh, a week later, I kid you guys not, a week later, he calls me up and he's like, hey, bro, um, I got some scripts to send you. And I'm like, what do you mean scripts? And, then, and he goes, for Sam. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, I figured out everything. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you don't know you can do all these uh, scripts. You can trigger this and do this and that and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but I haven't figured any of that crap out yet. And he's like, oh, I did that in a week. I've been, like, hammering this thing out. And I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah. I mean, besides the the kids and, uh, and you know, the studio and, and so forth, what else am I going to do? And I'm like, well, there's a million things, but, and he's like, no, 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 this is important, man, and like, check this out. And I was amazed by just a week of using the software, how he completely uh, figured everything out. And he was teaching me things after a while, and I was like, look at this. This guy who didn't even know how to use it, now he's teaching me stuff. It's amazing. He's a very handy guy, and he, he did yeah. that with all pieces of equipment. He would learn how to use every piece of equipment to its maximum ability. Yeah, very yeah. quick witted, very quick witted, and let me just say this: George to me reminded me of 007 because every mm. time I went to visit him, he had some a new little gadget that I would be fascinated by. I'd like, where'd you get that? He go, well, it's new, the newest thing, and like uh, every other day was something new. Do you guys remember the promotion that we did where the kid came up and kicked George in the balls? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Don't remind me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I there's that last night on Lewis's show. Yeah. Great and, show, uh, by the way, Joe. Great show. Yes. Oh, good. 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 Yeah. I, I I jumped on there and I was just super happy. Like I said, I'm just that we're all, um, you know, we get to talk about George because we really knew him and we really like him and we really miss him and it's cool that we're all being reconnected. 
Uh, but it's like m making sure I savor that era and remember the really cool things that happened. But the thing about the kid kicking George in the balls maybe wasn't the coolest of things because <laughs> it turns out I orchestrated the whole deal. And I've been... <laughs> he kicked my cock though. It wasn't George. It was my cock, right? right. Yeah. That yes. makes me feel so much better. It wasn't George. It was my cock. <laughs> Number one and number two, it was all done for the hope of a viral video, right? Like right. we were trying to do right. something that would be noticeable, online, shareable. So George is up there as my cock speaking, uh, you know, aggressively, whatever. And the kid, Lewis's kid, runs up and gives him a jump kick to the side of the thigh, but it was close enough. And then George went with it and it was kind of funny. Did it work out the way we planned? Clearly not. Um, <laughs> did George catch it right in the nads? I don't think yes. so, man. I think he caught it more in the thigh, and we're okay. But just the just the fact that it went down, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah we'll see. You got to I love I love that character by the way, the Mike Hawk character. We uh, debuted that in a 2011 Wizard World, uh, which I was there, and uh, it's funny. I, I showed up and uh, I, I got there, and Lewis was there with the powwow, and uh, George was in full disguise. And I was like, man, uh, should I come uh, dressed like, I should have come dressed like, you know, like a, a cosplay or something since Georgian is in full outfit here. I should have brought something funny. I just had like a regular sweatshirt on or something. And, uh, and I saw him and he's like running around and he's like a ball of energy with a megaphone and the, the whole suit on and. And uh, then I sat uh, there, and I was, like, just uh, amazed at how, like, George is not on the air, but yet his presence was the most noticeable one, even though he was off doing something, trying to get people to, to get involved and stuff. And I'm like, he's not even on the air talking right now. And, like, look at him. He's, like, running around making sure everybody's, you know, coordinated and stuff. And uh, often I was just, uh, like, I'd like to go and just sit and, like, watch the way he would react and just listen to him talk and pick up things like that away from George and uh, take notes mentally just from, like, you know, seeing that the characters. way he would do it. Yeah. yeah. By the way, we have Monica Oribe on who is, uh, if anybody knows George well, Monica knows George very, very well. Monica, thank you for being patient and being on with us. Oh, my gosh. Of course. You guys are the best. And you're going to make me cry. <laughs> we've been, we've all been doing that. But I have to say this. Oh, go ahead, Monica. So many characters, and you know, of course, Mike, Mike, Mike Hawk, of course. But did you know that he had updated the character? He was then uh, uh, Ivan Bad. Yes. Right. Middle this will be for very. <laughs> and I think those are the wonderful stories that we have about George. Um, yes, not only was he the super producer, the super producer. Um, not only was he, you know, more knowledgeable than Google, he didn't have to look anything up. Yeah. <laughs> um, pre prepared for every situation, every show, the notebook, everything. And like all of the great people, that, you know, people that are really, really great at what they do, they share their knowledge. And George was just a fountain of knowledge to share. And, you know, the funniest person I, I think I've ever met. Definitely, yeah. I would have to agree with that. Uh, in fact, I would say, uh, man, uh, Boca Brit probably uh, be uh, another person I'll put in that list. Um, formerly Boca Brian, for those who know the tr the show from uh, many decades ago, uh, Boca Brittany is uh, one of the main 
you know, reasons why the show was so funny over the years, with all the comedy skits and everything that uh, the Boca did. Uh, but George, Boca, Neil, I mean, you're talking about a golden era of radio when they were together back in the, the 90s, which is unmatched, I think, by any terrestrial radio station right now. There's nobody in, in the South Florida market that could say they've had that kind of cast together as we guys had back in, the, in those days. Somebody changing uh, the spark plugs in the background? Yeah, no, it sounds like we're in the back of a truck, like we're in the trunk of a car. being. I, yeah, I don't want to say anything, but somebody's getting mugged, I think. That's just going on. <laughs> oh, no, actually, that's here at the old folks' radio home. That's Sonny Fox down the hallway. Ah, that's what's happening. So are you deep in the hood? Because it sounds like you were like deep somewhere in like uh, the hood. Oh, yes. They have a, you know, <laughs> we're talking about radio people, folks, not television. Where do you think they keep us? Yeah, in the hood. <laughs> yeah. Away from the regular folks, because, you know, we're, we're evil radio people. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if Monica actually remembers the show that we did after uh, Neil had passed. We did a show where Steve King came over, Craig Worthing came over. Monica was definitely there. I was there. George was there. I wonder if Monica remembers that show or if any of you remember that show. I remember that show. Yeah, that was one hell of a show. Yeah, that never was forget- after, that, yeah, the, the whole, uh, the old school, the old school radio guard came out to pay tribute to Neil's passing. And uh, it was at the crack shack. And uh, that was something that was a very sad time. Obviously, Neil passed very quickly yeah. after he went off the air, and the end of Neil's show was really um, terrible. I kind of watched it from afar and didn't understand what the heck was going on over there. It felt like, uh, just felt dumb. You know, like, it, it was like that was a complete end of an era. Like, it, it really felt like the last few months he was on the air, he was like, ah, because he was always complaining about not having George on. And, and the new guy uh, that was uh, trying to fill in, I mean, God bless him. He did the best he could. I'm not trying to hate on, on that kid because yeah. he was also new on the network. Uh, but it just wasn't the same. You know, that, that chemistry, you can never replace it, uh, the Neil and George chemistry. It was Like I said, it was like Neil God and, uh, his, and George Cristo. Yeah, you know, tiny god. <laughs> but uh, yeah. the slow flow, like Monica, was a, an energy as well, and it was, yeah. uh, it was a lot of fun. Like people really, get, you know, getting into stuff. Hey, I do want to mention though, while I'm on here, uh, mm-hmm. this fundraiser, the GoFundMe, which really was Mitch's idea. Uh, the whole GoFundMe thing, everybody has become very popular and all, but like, when's the right time to use it? Like, when yeah. is the right time to start a GoFundMe? There's a lot of people that start GoFundMes uh, for things that I don't know or think are necessarily legitimate. But that's mm-hmm. the deal with GoFundMe. Like, you can start one for anything, and if you can get the number, that's your business, right? But Mitch, through Alan, said, hey, GoFundMe? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. This might be the right time. So I talked to Sabrina. Sabrina said, yes, if you would, that would be great. And so I set the goal for $5,000 because yeah. I have seen so many people set this lofty goal that turns out to not work out and it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't happen. And so we're halfway there to the $5,000. So here's the thing. we got to make the $5,000. we got 52 donors on there. It's been shared 112 times. Let's hit it a couple of times, and I hope that they get the, you know, this all works out. Because it is going to be very helpful to Sabrina, who is a young lady, and she's got her own life going. And obviously, Bella, um, we, got, we got to do this for Georgie. So if you see it out there, share it. If you haven't donated, donate. And, yeah. uh, and, on. and would Georgie like it, guys? Like, would Georgie be into this? I don't know, man. I don't think so. But, um, 
maybe he would understand the circumstances, you know. And so, Mitch, good idea, and uh, it's up, and and let's hope it, you know, we hit the number. Yeah, yeah, and we have a link to it on the official Neil Rogers tribute page on Facebook at Neil Rogers uh, Tribute. Uh, you just put in Neil Rogers Tribute on Facebook. It takes you right at the top of the page is the donation page. We've also spread it out on all of all the websites, and it should be uh, well well saturated by now. And Mitch, yeah. that was a great idea, and I appreciate you telling me about it. I went straight to Joe. I went mm-hmm. to Norm Kent. I went to uh, Boca, and uh, Joe was the one that put it into effect. And I, I, I do think, besides for these tributes that we're doing, this is one of the best things that we can actually do. Definitely. I was talking to uh, Sabrina. I just uh, texted her a little bit ago. She's not able to make it. I think she's still a little bit uh, in the fog, as uh, we all are. Uh, and remember, this is her father, so I could uh, appreciate uh, you know what she's going through right now. But you know, we're we're all uh, here for her. And uh, you know, I got this over on the SoFlow immediately when I saw the GoFundMe page. Uh, I had put in uh, you know the PayPal. Uh, originally on there to get some donations but as soon as i saw that page come up i was like okay this is where it should go because it's going to go directly to the daughters and that's the most important thing uh it's not you know just a funeral cost but i mean we're talking about uh he was still paying child support uh for the you know bella and there was still you know now she's not gonna have that support in the future even though i know in the divorce there was a settlement and the whole thing you know that it went down uh but still you know she doesn't have her dad anymore around, and that's uh, you know something that you know they're gonna have to deal with uh, for the rest of their lives. And whatever we could do as a community that loved George, loved Neil, loved SoFlo, and and uh, you know loved uh, everything that they gave to us and uh, everything George meant to us, uh, I think you know it, it, it was a brilliant idea for uh, Mitch to to come up with that, and uh, I support it 100%. It's on SoFlo.com. Uh, com. it's on my personal page angelespino.com and I, I'm going to keep it there for a long time to make sure that it gets the proper uh, you know support and we meet that $5,000 goal and if we got to help it a little bit you know for whatever the expenses are you know by all means we, we will continue and, and do that uh, because uh, you know it's for a friend and whether he you know, would like it or not at this moment in time financially uh, you know he was feeling the crunch like all of us and I know his family's feeling that crunch also. And uh, if we could uh, help alleviate any, uh, you know, burden uh, out of this uh, for them, uh, I know they're going to appreciate it at the end. I know when my mother passed a few years ago and my friends came around and they all, like, joined in on a, on a GoFundMe that we put together for my mother, uh, you know, it was breathtaking to see the people that came forward and, and supported us. And uh, every little helps, whether it's 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is you get help out with. Please do that. Uh, you know, it's going for the right cause. And, uh, I, you know, I hate uh, asking for charity myself. I'm like George in that sense. I hate asking for money. Uh, that's why, I, like, when I talk to George, and he's like, hey, man, you know, I'll shoot you a few bucks to do this or that for me. And I was like, George, I don't want any money from you. Nothing. Uh, I have enough. You're my friend. That's all I need. And, uh, you know, I never charged him for anything, for any web work or uh, you know, putting stuff on SoundCloud because I knew that economically he wasn't doing you know the greatest either, and he was going through the whole divorce process and stuff over the last few years. And I told him, you know, off the bat, I was like, you know, you have uh, you're paying for the website after I had hosted it for free for a few years. Uh, he started paying some other company for the website, and I was like, why are you paying? You know, you want to take that monetary burden off of you? 
just put it on my server. You don't have to worry about paying. And, you know, we covered the SSL licensing for him and everything. And and uh, that's something that, uh, as a friend, it was my way of paying back a little bit for the years of having him not only as a friend, but as a mentor for radio and as somebody that I looked forward to listening to when I was a kid. Because, uh, you know, growing up here in South Florida, there's very few voices that you can connect to uh, that speak to you directly, you know, and... George, for whatever reason, was that person that I connected to immediately to where even though Neil was still on the air for the last year, I was already looking for George on the Internet trying to find out what the heck happened to him. You know, as soon as I found out he was off of uh, that other station on AM. And that was because of the fact that he was really, uh, in a sense, the glue that kept us all together. So, What do um, you think, though? Come on, let's take a second to, uh, I mean, you got great guests here, obviously. But yeah. what the heck? going on there at the end like i was i wasn't uh i was doing my own thing kind of focused uh wherever the heck i was at that time i guess i was doing xm or worried about getting blown out on the xm merger because i remember we're kind of out at the same time yeah but what were they trying to accomplish getting rid of george of all things like save a couple of bucks change yeah. up the show yeah, mix basically it up. that's it that's what they were yeah. trying to do they tried to save yeah, the that's, they wanted Neil out. Neil bled them dry. He, they, they, that station almost went bankrupt because of Neil. So the first way to get it, Neil, was to get rid of George. And that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. I, it makes perfect sense because uh, Neil lasted, what, a few months after George left? It wasn't like like he lasted several years. I mean, it lasted, uh, I think it was Scott, the name of the, the person that took over, Scotty. If I remember right, and uh, as soon as the other producer took over, I was like, "Neil's done. Like this won't last more than a few months, uh, if that." So, hey, uh, uh, it, uh, no, 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 Greg Budell, I'm sorry, you cannot get a GoFundMe page. You're not dead yet. Sorry, go lay down. Um, <laughs> listen, um, I think we should let Monica step in here, Monica. Yeah, Monica, please share uh, your your thoughts with us. I have another caller who wanted to call in, and I'm going to get to him in a second here also, but I wanted to definitely get uh, more feedback from Monica on her experience with George because she spent a lot of time in the studio with him. If she would only unmute. There you go. I think so. Monica? Also, we should mention, uh, while we're pausing for Monica, uh, Agent 99, Lisa, was part of SoFlo Radio. Yes. Nicole, Nicole Sandler was on with yeah. us since almost the very beginning. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to get Nicole also, but I couldn't get a hold of Nicole uh, yeah. on, yes. online. There you go. Monica? Hi. Hello? Monica. Talk to me, I, baby. I think she didn't figure out the... Uh, Hi, guys. Uh, that, there you go. We, we can hear you. Hi. <laughs> Are you on a delay? <laughs> it's like the first SoFlo broadcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Exactly. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Do you guys remember <laughs> that first? Yeah. Do you guys remember that... Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, somebody's having uh, the internet issues. Just like SoFlo. I'm glad to see we continue <laughs> the tradition today. Well, now we know who the culprit was, was keeping the Skype uh, issues going. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, it's a miracle that we can do this. We can all connect digitally, yeah. and that's what Eric had created. Where different streams were popping on at different times, and we could stream to the same stream from different studios all over South Florida. And Mitch would hand off to me, and I would hand off to George. George would hand off to Beast, and we did it in real time and had a little crossover. And uh, that's what made it fun. Like the the shows shared their adventures, and that's what George had always taken from WIOD was that as much as they were independent shows, they were all connected as part of a lineup. And the SoFlo Radio concept was that that you would have multiple shows, and they would all be doing their own thing, but they would be together and. Uh, in a lineup over the course of the afternoon, and you'd want to listen to them all. Right. Plus, let's not forget the original plan, that regular radio became very uh, networkish and ineffective for serving the community. The original business plan for SoFlow Radio was to be an, outline, an online outlet that served the South Florida community, which unfortunately, almost every real radio station in town doesn't do that anymore. Correct. Yeah, that's and, very true. And I'll, um, I'll tell you yeah. something right now. One of the reasons that there was, you know, there was always a problem is George would always say that, you know, he knows how to do radio. He just doesn't know how to sell it. And the thing is, is that he refused to be a sellout. He yeah. just wouldn't do yeah. it. And, and yeah. you know, it's, it's the fact that he held, he stuck to his guns. He's, you know, he was a moral and ethical weather vane for me that always pointed towards True North. He wasn't about to, you know, lay down just because some you know, he just wasn't willing to sacrifice integrity. And that's one of the things that I always loved about him and, and I You're on the air. always cherish about the, the chance that he gave me. You know, he, he did it Maybe there's for, delay. For basically almost nothing. You know, he allowed me to do it and said, you know, we'll worry about the money another time. And God bless him for it. So, well, it also, product that nobody you know, he just like, wasn't we have the willing word to that. All right, somebody has got to turn uh, the radio off on the background there. We're good. There yeah, we go. Hi, Angel. How you doing? You know, Boomer here. Thanks for having me on. really knew. No, no problem. Uh, please uh, say your name again. I wouldn't catch you. Boomer, right? Yes, sir. Boomer! Boomer Welcome, is, Boomer. Uh, so the broadcast, Boomer, the broadcast Boomer is going knows well George and, and was good friends with George. And actually, yeah, uh, he's uh, worked with me like for years. Hold on, gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. One, one at a time. We're, we're over talking to each other. Uh, real quick before we, uh, we get on with Boomer. Uh, Mitch has yeah. to run. I know Mitch wanted to get in a, a couple of things here before we uh, continue. Let's let Mitch get on a couple of words. Mitch, go for it. Just wanted to say thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it, Angel and Joe and everybody else, Alan's. Uh, Monica, you look like you're getting sucked into a tornado on on, on your <laughs> Skype screen there. I don't know what's going on over there. But, uh, yeah, thank you again for the opportunity to share a few words. Uh, I, I appreciate it. And uh, it's a huge loss, but uh, truly by listening to everything tonight and what will go forward is what a legacy he made. It was tremendous. Yeah, without in South Florida radio. Yeah, thank you, thank you for being a part of, uh, of the broadcast tonight and uh, spending your time with us and and uh, sharing your uh, you know your background with George and uh, your history with uh, 
our great friend, uh, which we're all missing right now. We're missing the heck out of this man. So, of course, anytime. And but by the way, Joe, I want to find out who your barber is. Your hair just it's amazing, just, right? It's, it's, <laughs> you bring the heat. Mark with that hair. And I'm, I'm so be- envious. He's easy. I don't, I don't, Angel, I don't want to know who your barber is. You know, <laughs> just had, I just had one more note, by the way. Uh, uh, Alan mentioned. <laughs> I just, what, I, be an asshole or what? <laughs> Alan mentioned that he, you know, that he that he saw George a couple times uh, in, in the last few weeks with the masks and gloves. And what we what, a little uh, a secret that none of us know is that even for years we would wear masks and gloves to visit Alan. But anyway. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I'll be here all week. See you again. Love you, Mitch. Thank you for being here, with us, buddy. Thank you, thank you, Mitch, and thank you for not explaining the real reason why. <laughs> oh, that's the great Mitch Phillips. I, you, what a voice that man yeah. has! Amazing. <laughs> he is well, uh, the voice of the world, Mitch. Phillips. Oh, Mitch, improve Mitch. Mitch. That's the thing. Is Mitch's voice is incredible. Yeah, yeah, Mitch, yeah. Is officially, Mitch is officially one of the voices of the pre-shows uh, for the Miami Dolphins on Channel 4. Mitch yep. was producing director for many years at uh, Zeta 4 and uh, WSHE and uh, is one of the most recognizable national voices on commercials. Correct. So uh, yep. he's a hell of a talent. He can put me down anytime he wants, and he has put me down quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, Monica and Boomer, I know you, you two want to get in on this. Uh, Monica, you're looking fantastic. I haven't seen you in a few years. Uh, it's funny, the the first time I went into the studio uh, that I was all nervous, you were there. And I, I, I tried to crack a joke, and you looked at me with this face like saying, Kid, I can tell you're shaking in your boots. And I was like, wow. and I looked at you, and I was like, uh, you have no idea. Because, <laughs> remember, I, I was a big fanboy of George and Neil for years and years and years. And to me, this is like meeting, like, you know Elvis, and uh, and it, and it was little little George because he was a lot shorter than me, a lot thinner than I was. But it was like an incredible experience being there with uh, one of my radio mentors. And here we are, you know, twelve years later, eleven years later, whatever it's now, uh, all these years later, and it's amazing that uh, uh, after we lose Suds just a year ago, we now we lose George uh, this year. But uh, Monica, you were there for a long time with George. I know that uh, you're sitting right right in front of him. Oh my goodness, I think from the very first day that I met George, I was always that person that would wind him up and give him the, you know, the lob so he can slam dunk it. And we made a good team that way. Um, I thought he was hilarious, naturally. So it was such a beautiful time. My transition from television to radio just just happened kind of by chance. And Mm -hmm. Thanks to George, who sent me to go be with the Beast for, on his show for a while and kind of get a little bit of taste of that. And then afterwards, George was like, all right, you're on my show. And, um, you know, we produced other shows together. And he just always had the ability to make everybody feel um, important yep. and seen yep. and valuable. And there was always a joke. You know, I, I saw him not too long ago as well. And in the beginning of the Corona, his his Corona joke was, hey, you know what else is really hard to find now with uh, COVID about? No, what? OK, so uh, fat wings. Those are really hard to find these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You know, he always had a wonderful association and vast knowledge that he could easily share. And I think he and all of us were a product of being before our time. You know, SoFlo started and we didn't use the word podcast. So it was really hard right. to explain to sell. Um, yeah. You know, and George was not a salesman. But, you know, by any means, he was the talent and he was he was happy to, you know, to be that always mm -hmm. the most popular guy in the room, you know, hands down. Uh, I remember going George dropping me off to get my car fixed and, the, and he came inside. And I got a special discount because the guy was a fan <laughs> of Neil Rogers and George. So, you know, plenty, plenty of love to go around and share and. You know, all of you guys, this coming together of what happened at SoFlow is is really a very special story of so many years of veterans, of talents, of um, talk radio, which you don't even really hear that much anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were tra trailblazers. And something I think you guys don't know um, I forgot the name of the guy that used to do all of the mechanics with the Sam and everything when they first went on the internet. Eric. Eric. Yeah. Did you know that when Eric passed away, George took over and mm -hmm. had carpal tunnel syndrome on his right hand from all the mouse movements that he started yeah. using his left hand. And it was he was the sole reason why SoFlo was still on the air because yeah. he yeah. was doing everything. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember when I when I helped him set up Sam, he didn't like have an idea, and then he figured everything out immediately. And and uh, he was always very techy, very on hands with everything. And uh, that was the amazing part about you know learning from George was just sitting there and, and being mesmerized of how quickly he would pick up on things, how quick witted he was. Uh, you know, you could just say something, he'll turn into like a five minute uh, story. Uh, that he'll just go on and, and crack jokes about. And I was like, that's from Neil. It, like, he inherited a lot of that from Neil in, in, was, in his own way. And so irreverent. Like, some of the things that he would say, his pet name for me on the air was Inky Black Monica. <laughs> <laughs> and no one took offense to it. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Boomer, we have you on the uh, on the uh, waiting wings here also. I wanted to get your uh, two cents in on George. Thank <laughs> you for calling in. Hey, man, how you doing? Uh, well, as Boomer. you can imagine. It's been a rough couple of weeks. Boomer, uh, you're on. Also, um, lost uh, a very fine news. Hello, Boomer. To, uh, long ago, Marshall Moore. Who, yeah. Uh, also Remember how George always had everything uh, at hand's distance uh, at the studio? About that. The paper and, towel, uh, Alan the Young, pen. Uh, everything was in machine. arm's reach. Um, I, I don't know if you guys really. can hear Boomer, but I can hear him. I don't know if you, you guys can't hear him. No, we no, can't. We put me on. Angel, all I yeah, can no, do he is needs you. to roll up his windows and turn down his radio. Oh, okay, I, I think I, I think it's because there's two calls going on uh, for some odd reason. In, in fact, let me uh, go ahead and, and uh, reconnect everybody to one call. Boomer, I don't know what the heck happened, but uh, for some reason it didn't add you to this call. It added you to a separate call. So let me uh, hang up on uh, Boomer's other call and add him to this call. And... Uh, Skype is a weird thing, guys, so just stick around here for one second as I fix this issue real quick. Uh, Boomer, uh, stay on there real quick. I'm going to bring you yes, on sir. to the other call because for some reason they didn't connect you, so just uh, stay around. Don't hang up, okay? Okay. 
Yeah, I'm right here, man. Oh, so we're not right. in there yet? No, no, I'm going to call you right back into the show right now. Okay. You want me All to right. hang up? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to call you right back in. Okay. All right, bye. All right, cool. Well, that was uh, very strange. Uh, okay, Personal I'm... contacts. You think about the Derby girls. You think about the universes that George touched. He had a lot of people that were vested in what he was doing. And that's why he was successful. He, he, I mean, maybe he didn't create Spotify or Pandora, I guess. But what he did do was bring a lot of positive things to a lot of uh, people's lives. And he made, like, direct change. And that's all you can expect. Uh, he did real good. He uh, pioneered things. He lived... The last half of his life, and I know Angel had mentioned that there was maybe a financial issue. He had a lot of responsibility, obviously, with the daughters. They always came first. But yeah. he was always enjoying his life, though. Like, I remember when George, when he went through his beach phase, and he's, like, riding his bike to the beach and having a good time. And after he got out of the radio wars with that whole Neil thing, and a lot of people blaming him for, you know, Neil being Neil, right? Like, George yeah. was the gatekeeper in many ways. And so sales guys would kind of take things out on George psychologically. Like, they wasn't even George's fault. It had nothing to do with George. But he was a gatekeeper to Neil, and Neil wouldn't give them exactly what they wanted or, you know, messed with them about the way they wrote a script or something. And you can't be mad at Neil. You can't be mad at Neil because Neil's Neil. But you can be mad at George. And so George caught a lot of heck like that, and, and his life was a little bit difficult in the real radio thing. So when we went to SoFlo, it was like, I'm doing it my way. I'm not going to deal with uh, assholes. And right. the times that I hung together with him, the events that we did, and even beyond, like that's the thing that I'm real proud of is that as much as George and I were work colleagues, and he trained me the way he knew, and I when I was brought into the Neil Rogers show, I was the first other producer other than george so it was a big deal and i learned that i got to sit in the chair i got to work with neil when george went on vacation and he had a good deal and he had got a lot of vacation and i got that great opportunity it was uh spectacular to be able to sit there with neil and do what george did but then we were friends outside of the radio station going to different events uh you know as the fads came and went uh, what, like I mentioned the other day, the swing dancing was popular for like 30 seconds. We went and checked it out. You know, we took a lesson at the Man Ray, that kind of deal. And just uh, hanging out away from racing. Boca Brian, uh, radio, excuse me, uh, racing being my other thing. Uh, Boca Brian talking about those lunches in his first tribute, the Thursday lunch. That was a huge deal. After the show, George would go to lunch with Boca, and I would go to the station. I wasn't even on the schedule, man. I was going there to get that lunch to learn something, right, to just be part of the cool South Florida entertainment uh, blood vessel because everything was connected to Neil at that point. And uh, it was just, it's an irreplaceable time. It's irreplaceable. Listen, Joe, I remember uh, a great, I just saw recently, first off, a picture of you and George in a hot tub at Al Goldstein's home, I believe. Yes, that's my big story that I'm saving. That's the big story that I'm saving. For the Boca Brian July 18th uh, story, how George got me in trouble with Al Goldstein. <laughs> well, I actually, I actually have uh, several clips from uh, Al Goldstein's uh, show from New York, the uh, Midnight Blue, where he wow. talks about uh, where he talks about George on the show wow. on Midnight Blue. Yeah, and George, you know, George always felt bad. Uh, for not being able to get up and see Al Goldstein, uh, you know, towards the end of Al's life when, uh, because I, I turned George on to a, uh, 
a documentary about Hustler magazine uh, called Back Issues, and they were interviewing Al Goldstein there, and he was so thin. And and uh, George called me after he watched the uh, the movie, and he was he was broken up. He was totally broken up. He he really revered Al Goldstein as a person who was unapologetic about what he said and not just the First Amendment, but like who he was. And he loved Al Goldstein so much. And I have a whole series of those clips from Al Goldstein that George gave to me to put on our show uh, over the course of the last few years. So I've got them laying around someplace. I'll, I'll pass them on to uh, interested parties. And so Al Goldstein was a First Amendment warrior. And absolutely. During that era, yep. like people don't realize, like things could have gone the other direction, and you needed guys like that. Now we're pretty open. You can't control. There's a million voices, but we're seeing the negative side of that. Um, you know, are we more conservative? Sure. Are we less conservative? That's a great debate that we could have. Uh, yeah. I know that things that Neil said on the radio would not fly today. Like it's so we've gone backwards in a way. Like oh yeah. That. Oh, Goldstein was an amazing character. When he would come in on Neil's show, Neil and Al Goldstein together, think of the drops alone. The drops alone <laughs> were lasted forever and ever and ever. That's a gay club, you moron. And <laughs> one of the better ones was, yeah, how about the one where he says, you don't understand, I don't pay hookers to come over. I'm afraid to leave. I'm a fat Jew. <laughs> By the way, Boomer is finally on with us. Boomer, are you there? Yeah, man, I guess so, if I snuck that one in. Hey, Joe, there how you, you doing, man? Boomer. What's up, Boomer? Yeah, how man. Doing? Uh, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. Yeah. Um, let's hook up. Let's hook up. After, let's reconnect afterwards. Uh, I'm sorry that it took one of these things to get everybody, this going. Everybody. But. And George would be happy about that. George would be the South Florida I'm sure he would. community is a thing. We and should skate. We should go skating for him. Well, my friend Lisa, uh, yeah. who is friends with George. I uh, suggested that as soon as we COVID's over, that we do a thing at the roller rink was her idea that George would really appreciate that. And With the DJ, great idea. Who we hated. Yeah, it, it sounds it sounds to me. I, I like the idea. And Arabella would absolutely love it. That's that was I'll bring my blades and, and my daughter, Grace, who worked for George. George hired my daughter, Grace, to be a board op at WIOD. Oh, wow. Wow. She did a fabulous job. Do you know her, Joe? No, I do not. What is her Grace last? Cronin Tre Grace Cronin Tresco. Mm, it does not. Uh, remember, I was I was at the Quam. I was at QAM, not IOD. So I don't really. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I can fill you in on that later. But um, years <laughs> ago, when George was the lead producer at WIOD, he called me one day and said, "I got to find board ops. This is like." He was beside himself. I said, I have somebody. It's a girl. Do you mind? He goes, no. And he went to, I said, take a breath, George. It's Grace. It's my daughter. He's like, okay, send her by. And um, she got the job on her own accord. George called me back and said, she's amazing. We're going to put her to work right away. That's so, great. yeah. Also, the other connection that George and I had was we're both uh, into ASL. That was another deep side of George that a lot of people didn't know. Did ASL, you know American George, Sign Language. Yeah, George ASL, had, okay. And he no, no, ASL, American Sign yeah. Language. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah Lucas Arnold. Remember when he learned, obviously, he learned sign language. He was always kind of interested, first of all. It was a thing that he was kind of, you know how George liked to have a little, he, he wanted to be able to do just about everything competently. So if, like, he was in a conversation yeah. with someone and someone said, like, yeah, you know how to tie this knot, he could tie some knots, you know? Like, yeah, give me a length of rope. I'll show right you the yeah. tie. Yeah. That's the thing, like, <laughs> yep. you know, that a man should know how to do. He can start a fire. He can do this. He yeah. can do that. And so he did have basic sign language prior to needing it. And then yeah. it became something he needed to have later on in life. But, man, amazing. And amazing. He was he very had, fluent, too. He was very good. Very skilled. He was very good. He had a whole light show that he would sign songs with the lights on the gloves. <laughs> remember that. Wow. I remember the light show. I got the light show. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm laughing because I, I, I got the light show. <laughs> yeah, but let me ask you, does, who else got George singing Bitch Better Have My Money? <laughs> you know it's funny i went through so many funny comedy skits that i was going to play and i was you know uh, preparing a bunch of stuff and i haven't played one thing because it's better just to listen to everybody uh you know share their experiences than just share clips of uh george saying funny stuff or funny songs that boca and him came up with but it's amazing when you look back at the archive of the things they came up with over the decades I mean, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of hours just on, like, comedy skits. And wow. a lot of people listen to it, and they know it's Boca who d did a lot of the recording. But a lot of that came from George's mind also. He would give Boca Brian yes. ideas, okay. uh, how to do this, how to, you know, have this idea for a skit or that idea. And and Boca being the brilliant comedian that, uh, that Boca Breakdown is, you know, she is, uh, is uh, just uh, the perfect match for the mind that George had. Just like Neil was a perfect, you know, match for that mind. It's amazing how, like, all the pieces of the puzzle is, like, so perfectly put together on IOD. And uh, you could tell that like, it was a perfect match because it lasted all this time. I mean, those friendships uh, lasted for a long time. And Suds, uh, rest in peace, you know, lasted for, for decades also. Rick and Suds uh, were legendary. Uh, back yeah. in the day when I was growing up, uh, and that was and, the influence and then for me. Soflo, hey, on, yeah. on Soflo, then he did Spick and Suds. Remember that? Spick and Suds, yeah, Spick yeah. Suds. Moved it right over. Yeah, it was great. I, I remember meeting uh, Suds for the first time, and I was like, "Suds, he was in the studio," and he's like, "You know me?" And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Like Rick and Suds, man. Like who doesn't know you? And he's like, "Oh." Well, you young whippersnappers, and they went into, like, character, and I was like, ah, that suds. <laughs> and it was funny because me and him would get into it, like, on Facebook on purpose, like, we would battle, uh, especially politics, because, you know, I, I, I'm a Trump supporter, and most of the folks that know uh, George are not, uh, which is funny because George had a skit a few years ago, uh, Trump uh, condoms, Trump, uh, uh, if I remember right, it was Trump uh, Trojans. And I used to, like, you know, no, I'm not on George about that for doing that skit. I'm like, see, at one point you didn't hate the guy. He's like, yeah, but you know. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, we're both, you know, uh, not Democrat or Republican. I'm neither. I'm in the middle I, also. I, but I, I voted for Trump for sure. obvious different reasons. And uh, we never had an argument over that. We just joke and crack at each other. And and it's funny because I would bring that skit up to him, and he would always like, guy, ah, you got to bring that crap up to me. And, 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 it was, and it's funny because... 
dealing with with somebody like that, it taught me in the last few years how to like you know not get triggered when somebody says, "Oh, but you know this is my political view." Uh, you know, back when I was younger, I would get triggered easy, and just dealing with George and see how he would react around everybody, and whether you're politically on the same page or not, uh, he wouldn't make you, uh, you know, feel ostracized over it, you know, he would, like, include you into the conversation, and even though he may think you were wrong, and he'll give you shit for it, it wasn't like he would stop being your friend for it, and that's uh, the great thing about him. And that, that's, uh, that was very... And he was interested in what you Sorry, go ahead, Joe. Yeah. No, no, and he was interested in what you had to say also. Yeah. He liked yeah. the idea of idea combat where you would, um, you know, present your information and your facts and you would sort it all out. Like George was into the methodology of problem yeah. solving. And uh, on religion, like he, he did not like religion, but he was willing to hear your argument and he probably had an yeah. argument was better than that argument and the same was true about politics and you know they are all assholes like that's the thing it's like man they're all a bunch of assholes they are but that's what we got and that's the system we got and then we figure it all out but he'll he'll receive information from the other side and he'll try to convince you of you know like this is what i think for whatever reason but it doesn't matter because let's all go try to have a beer and get laid and it's exactly right yep Right. Like, OK, we're going to go try to get laid. But, yeah. yeah, we could talk about that at some point where it seems like our society has gone crazy now where both sides do not want to have a beer and get laid. They want yeah. to do their own thing. They want to dominate the world and with their own deal. Compromise is not even possible anymore. Yeah. And that's fortunate. That's unfortunate for our country. It's unfortunate for Agreed. our show, Agreed. like the Rogers show, by the way. The reason why do you think these shows went away? Because. Our programming needs to be so narrow, like you yeah. need a right wing station where you're pushing hardcore right wing stuff. It's not even like you see how Rush, so Rush, Rush's show has gone hard right. Everything's gone hard right. Oh, well, Rush has always been hard right. I mean, even from the yeah, 90s. Yeah. He would talk cigars. He would talk stuff. Now he's full on. You, oh, you yeah. Know yeah. yeah. He's, yeah, he's so extremist now. Show, can't really exist as much because it's too broadly topical. You don't yeah. know what you're going to hear on that or George's show. Yeah, right? that's true. By the way, guys, we're short on we're short on time, so I want to give everybody a chance uh, to plug. Uh, you know uh, what they're doing uh, next. Um, you know any anything that you guys want to talk about, uh, bring up uh, as far as your own personal shows, websites. Please go ahead and do so. I'll give uh, Monica here uh, the first option to go first. Ladies first. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you for doing this. This is fantastic. I love to be uh, recognized in all of you guys. And George did bring together a cool, cool bunch of people. So for that, I'm grateful. I do have a podcast, The Monocles. It's on Anchor FM, trying mm-hmm. to follow along in that steps. And uh, keep me posted of any other George tributes you guys doing. I'd be happy to be a part of. And Definitely. I just noticed your shirt, Joe. Gee. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I got a t-shirt. This was the first batch that were created for SoFlow. And it's yep. funny, it's like I'm like I'm this I've worn this shirt a lot, but I was like, I gotta keep this. I gotta I keep a uh some sort of gear from every radio station that I worked at. And uh these SoFlow radio shirts, man, they were fantastic when we first got them. George was super proud that we had swag. Like, we got swag, baby. Look at yeah. swag. <laughs> And uh, it was great. I got a coffee mug somewhere else, but yeah, good times. 
Uh, Joe, uh, do you want to uh, go ahead and drop in your uh, yes, future? Do uh, uh, you have coming up here any shows, links? Well, what I would say is for normally at this time in a show, I would give my own checking account and routing number so you guys can send me money. But in this case, <laughs> you I think it would be better to do the GoFundMe is really what's up. I know I'm harping it. I sound like a telethon. Operators are standing by to take your donation for George and his family. But it's something that these, these things, you gotta, you gotta get it while the, uh, the iron is hot, right? We're all thinking about George. Share the heck out yep. of it. I know some of my listeners from the auto racing world have already gotten involved in there, and I think we can get uh, to some numbers. This number, a bigger number, who knows, but but let's keep it moving. Me, I do most of my work in the auto racing world now. I work for the National Hot Rod Association as one of their announcers at uh, national events, go to races and stuff. I trip, typically travel, but most of my stuff is racing talk, WFO radio, like wide freaking open. Radio.com. That's the website. You can find our podcast or on Facebook. We stream live interviews with drag racers, etc. But there is one podcast in the feed called Ignition that while we are wrapped into a racing wrapper and we keep our fans happy, we have forced upon them a bit of the Neil Rogers style topical stream of consciousness flow. We will give the results, but. We're going to talk about whatever that matters. Is it a movie review? Is it something in our lives? Is it a holiday going on? Is it George passing away? Got a lot of discussion. Because that that part of what I did over those years, that was the best part, man. Like racing talk is like serves a purpose for racing fans to get information and feel connected to their sport. And that's where I make my money. So, of course, I'm doing it. But the stream of consciousness discussion about uh, you know, drones, robots, what's happening, what's going on in the world. We, we have forced that upon the audience. We haven't chased them all away. And so you guys are welcome to listen to that. It's the Ignition podcast and the drag racing stuff too. Maybe you like that. I certainly do. I love it. I find it to be a passion. It's amazing. Cars that go 330 miles per hour and a thousand feet accelerate zero to a hundred in less than a second. But. If that's not your thing, I think you'll still dig the Ignition Show. It's a podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, everywhere you get your podcast. Go to WFORadio.com to find out more. And I will be doing the Book of Brian tribute and any other tribute that I can get in. Angel, thank you for doing this. Like, we never got to, like, hang. I really appreciate yeah. that you had such a great re uh, relationship with George. Like, he needed to have good friends. To me, it makes me feel a lot better knowing that, like, man, George was surrounded by nice, cool people who had the best of intentions. Like, Thank that makes brother. me feel great about it. You know, um, wh whatever, man, if you need help from me or vice versa, uh, you know, let look me up and uh, let's stay connected. Let's all stay connected now. Uh, even if we weren't, George is the connection, and we got to keep that alive. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Thank you all, right, all for sure. for being here. Uh, also, uh, Alan, uh, you want to uh, plug away your uh, your radio uh, networks? Networks, I should say. You have uh, a bunch well, of stuff going on. <laughs> he's got almost Every a thousand of them. He's a busy man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I don't know about plugging because uh, I, do, I do so much of it. But first off, one last comment about George. When, um, when George would fill in over those summers... He actually held Neil's numbers, mm -hmm. and uh, and that is a that is a hard thing to do. Yeah. So I wanted to get that in there personally. Um, I still hope to remain part of SoFlo Radio, uh, and and we extend the project. George and I had just got off the ground. NeilRogersShow.com. 
So uh, Boca and Joe, and we we actually have plans for that. I do have a lot of music stations. Uh, for I do have the oldest online radio station in South Florida called SheRadio.com. Uh, which is a uh, tribute and recreation of WSHE, and uh, a lot more. And uh, I'm the owner of SouthFloridaRadio.com, so the beat goes on, but uh, it will not be the same without George. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, thank you guys for being on here with us. And uh, Boomer, any last words uh, you want to get in on, George? Uh, yeah. Go for I, it. I wanted to uh, thank you, Angel. We hadn't had a chance to meet yet, but yeah. if you're still doing this uh, this internet thing, uh, Alan and I could certainly use some direction and try some some sales going. Although um, with the SoFlow, I, I don't know if anybody's in touch with uh, Joe. If you're around, if you're still in touch, maybe with Luann Gill or Peter Leonard. Those were really good salespeople, and they were almost always open to ideas. I would think because I know George was not into sales either. He was the creative yeah. genius behind. Yeah. It. A, a lot of right. programming. Lenny works and a lot of it. around the club. Peter Leonard works. I just, want, guys, I, just, I just want to let you know, Mitch has now arrived back here at the radio old folks' home. Here, Mitch, have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> you heard the golden voice coming around, and he's like, "I am here." There you go. Right. Yeah. We, we need to get Mitch on us. We need to get Mitch on a Star Wars movie with that voice. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Uh, yeah, what do you think? All right, uh, we'll chat soon, guys. Thank you gotta, so we, much for me on. Yeah, no, it's uh, been a hey, pleasure Joe, having, all, having all you guys on yeah. the uh, the show. Has been just awesome. Uh, thank you all for being here with us and uh, in taking part in uh, this uh, very sad yet celebratorial uh, moment uh, in in memory of our friend and uh, fallen comrade. Uh, the great George L- Rodriguez and uh, somebody who I personally am going to miss for the rest of my days, for sure. Also known as George with a J. He used to go yes. by that uh, when he worked out uh, out Gramps, in the part of the country. Now he was Gramps Master Flash. Yes. He's a, he was a little Cuban fella, but now he's up the there in Gramps, the heavens. Yeah, he's Gramps Master Flash. Now that he's a, he was a grandfather, so he became Gramps Master Flash. There you go. Uh, guys, uh, we're gonna, we got to let you go. Uh, we're uh, running on time here, and I have uh, another segment to get to. Uh, but, again, uh, it's been uh, awesome having you guys on here with us and uh, joining in on the, the memory of George Rodriguez. Uh, guys, Thanks. this is PSA. Thanks for doing this, man. Thank you. Hasta no, el próximo, amigo. Go Guys, uh, this is SoFloRadio.com. This is PSN-Radio.com. And uh, stick around. I got more show. I got Daniel Lewis Crumpton. He's going to be on uh, the next uh, 40 minutes here with me. And uh, we're going to talk about Canisense. And uh, uh, it's tough to uh, do any other shows, but that's why I moved the show earlier than normal just to get enough of, of you know, of the morning out of the way and get uh, really our memories of George uh, on this uh, one show and uh, have everybody uh, participate as humanly possible that are, that are willing to be on here. And again, my heart goes out to the family. Please check out the GoFundMe page. Uh, again, it's on SoFloRadio.com. Go there if you uh, haven't figured out how to get to it. You can see the link right there. Uh, it's a big-ass banner with George's face on it. You can't miss it. Uh, also on my personal site, AngelEspino.com. It's right on there as well. It's going to remain down there until we hit the numbers that we want to hit to help the uh, the family out. Uh, our heart, our hearts all go out to uh, Sabrina and, and uh, Bella and his family and uh, 
and everybody who uh you know uh, was touched by George who are missing uh George right now who are you know we're all feeling it so uh guys we're gonna be back uh and I'm gonna leave you now with a, a song that was written by a good friend of mine named Jesse Singer uh who's a tremendous singer and uh, I used his song uh Good Friends on the uh, video tribute that I put together for George and uh, it was so fitting when I uh, put that together. It was just, it went in perfectly. So I'm going to lead off with that. And I'll be back in a couple of minutes with uh, the next segment on the show. Talk soon, guys. Thanks, George. Bye, George. Remembering times like no other, I would sit. My friends, so long ago, well, how did we lose touch? We must have changed, running too fast to know. All right, everybody, welcome back to PSN radio.com and of course, soflowradio.com. We're live simulcast on both networks, and I want to uh, thank everybody for sticking around. And uh, the last two hours were very, very tough for me uh, dealing with the death of my good friend and mentor, George Rodriguez. So, uh, in light of that, because uh, George was the type of guy that would be like, Come on, get on with the show. This is all about a show, it's not about morning. Uh, you know, it, uh, it's uh, something that uh, he would always often say when we would uh, get down about a uh, passing or something like that. And uh, with that said, I want to welcome two gentlemen on the line here who have been patiently waiting to get on for this uh, next segment. And uh, they're going to uh, talk about a few things, including uh, one program they have on YouTube called Zen in the Car. Zen in Car? Zen in Car? Daniel? School us. How do you pronounce it? How do you say it? For those hey, who are so confused. Hey, Dylan, you there, Dylan? Uh, I'm here. You wanna, Dylan, you wanna hear Daniel. You want to hear something funny, Dylan? <laughs> Go for it. We're, we're on a show <laughs> on a network, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Does this guy know? Like, you, you think, are, wait, are we muted? No, no, no. no, no. We're you're, here. You're live. You're here. Are we, are we on air? You're on air. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, seriously, man. Uh, hey, Angels, thanks for having us on, dude. And uh, I want to extend from all of us at Zen in the Car. Yes, it is zeninthecar.com. Yep. Our deepest condolences. And um, me and you have only known each other for a short time, but I, I like the cut of your jib. I think you're a good guy. You're very passionate about broadcasting, about um, having a platform for a First Amendment that's really uncensored. And I didn't know George, but I caught the tail end of the last hour, and I thought that uh, what I did here, knowing you from what I do know of you, then he must have been a great mentor. And um, we just want to let yeah. you know, we, we know that you know this. We're, we're from the same tribe. Um, we never lose anybody, brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, They don't really go anywhere. They just go everywhere. The nature of the relationship changes, but uh, it, you just have to learn how to have that new relationship with them. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. We're here with you, man, and if we can make you chuckle a little bit and and uh, say say something on George's behalf for you through our you know, <laughs> universal connectivity, then we're all happy to do that. No, I appreciate you guys uh, spending time here with us, and I know that uh, time on this planet is short for all of us, so I don't want to uh, waste anybody's time, and I, I appreciate you guys uh, being here and uh, spending your time with me. And uh, George would appreciate uh, the kind words. Believe me, he was a, that type of individual where... Uh, he was very giving of himself and his time 
And I learned a lot from him uh, over the course of the last decade, knowing him as a friend and a mentor on radio and in as a human being. I mean, he was just uh, one of those uh, amazing people that you get to meet and, uh, and gravitate to. And uh, once you're there, it's, it's weird because he always made you feel like, you know, part of the family, part of what was going on, even though you might not have seen him for a couple of months. It was like he was always there. You know, it was, it was never one of those things where uh, it was weird after a couple of months. It was always like, hey, man, come on in. You know, it's like just, you know, one of those uh, individuals. Uh, and a, a, a brilliant mind, uh, very underrated, very, very underrated. But uh, with that said, you know, I wanted to uh, definitely dedicate this uh, next segment to you guys. And Zen in the Car, I think I'm one of the few guys uh, who saw the show online. And I was like, yeah, Zen in the Car, that's cool. Uh, as we were talking off the air, everybody had an issue with the name. And I'm like, <laughs> what's, what's the issue? Could you guys read? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. This is the first time hearing about any issues with the name. Well, you were yeah. Dylan. Yeah, this is the second incarnation or mission of ZenInTheCar.com, and Dylan wasn't really around for the first go around. So he's at the very tail end. He was because me and him we kind of connected through love of movies, and that's how we kind of got started. But he's been a critical uh, component to the to the second mission of the USS Enterprise. Because uh, as it turns out, not only do he and I share an intrepid love of all things film and geek, but we actually have a really fun, bouncy type comical chemistry, don't we, Dylan? <laughs> I like to think we do. <laughs> I mean, it, it's almost yeah. Like when I you definitely do. <laughs> thank y'all. When, when when I narcissistically listen to my voice over and over again on the YouTubes with Dylan. I go, it's like a bouncy ball on lyrics. It's, it's quite lyrical, what Dylan and I do, I think. <laughs> and so there's that. But no, I mean, I think how we got on your radar, if I'm not mistaken, is Dylan and I, uh, I guess it was after a movie review one night, which is oh so serious in these serious times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we went. In, we just went into this tirade where we were still recording about our 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 separate and mutual experiences in the world of the alternative internet independent media world and these cast of characters that are just too juicy to be real, but they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Dylan and I went on a tirade about the alternative media, and so from there I shall shut my mouth. And allow Dylan Wade to speak. Dylan, take it oh. away. Oh, um, man, usually you give me more lead-in than that. You're <laughs> killing me. You're killing me here. Um, no, that's basically... I, I, I don't want to be known as the person who just talks about alternative media, because honestly, I don't love wasting my time with it. But... I appreciate intellectual honesty, and even uh, Daniel and I don't agree philosophically on a lot, but it, I respect intellectual honesty, and what I found with the alternative media is that there's none, and that it needed to be exposed for what it is, because I went through the whole thing, I did an alternative media show, I listened to some of them, uh, and I came out the other side and I think I'm a better person having learned that they are 
sometimes. Am I allowed to curse? Fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> they are usually <laughs> full of shit. Yes. <laughs> oh, as we Star Wars nerds would like to say, full of bantapudu. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no, but yeah. Daniel, come on. I mean, whenever you were talking, like, uh, I'm I'm very visual, so I was picturing that Charlie Chaplin movie where he's getting caught up into the mechanisms of a gear, because when you get caught up into the alternative media world, it's like that. You feel like Charlie Chaplin in gear, Yeah. Yeah. right? And it's really dirty because it's oily, and you're like, Jesus Christ, I started off listening to this shit. And then I got caught up through the path of whatever. I think, Dylan, you were doing – did you – you started off with – I don't know, sociology issues, didn't you? Off on the nether regions of independent media? Uh, privacy, actually. I started with uh, the Snowden revelations, and it just kind of spiraled from there. Were you a listener to alternative media and conspiracy theory stuff before? Not really. It just kind of happened. I, I, don't, I can't pinpoint exactly when it happened, but it just kind of happened. And... It it spiraled from there. I started believing every word of it. Uh, there are enough websites out there that spew it to make me think that, oh, I'm doing independent research when all I'm doing is reading regurgitated shit from... Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> and that's the problem with a lot of this online community stuff uh, and, and dealing with ufology for years. Uh, that's one of the things I picked up on uh, immediately because... When you're a fan and you're on the outside of it, like I was for years, just listening to radio, and I'm like, my God, all this stuff is happening, and nobody's, you know, dealing with it, and I can't believe all these people are getting abducted, and uh, all this uh, stuff is happening, and all these ghosts, and all this ghostly activity, and then I got to podcast, and I got to talk to a lot of these folks myself, and I was like, oh, a lot of them are just batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah, That's what's going yeah. on. You know, and um, uh, there's, you know, but there, there's the rare exceptions in the 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 shit craziness that is the world of the paranormal and in in ufology. Those rare exceptions uh, in the alternate media uh, where there is truth coming out, and you just have to like kind of like navigate through that swamp, if you will, like Trump would say, and uh, drain the bullshit out of the way and try to get to the nuggets of uh, of proper. And uh, good information and honest uh, information, but most I would say ninety eight percent of the people on on any platform that is pushing anything are just picking things up that they're hearing from somebody else. There's no real research anymore. There's just oh, I heard this from somebody else, or somebody told me this, or this or that, and uh, the people build careers out of just uh, you know I heard the story and now I'm writing ten books about it. Really? Were you there? Did you do any research? And I would, uh, it was funny because I would come across that when I would ask them in-depth questions about certain topics that they would write a book about. And they would always say, well, this person said this, and that's how I wrote that. And I'm like, so where's your own research? Yeah, I, I have to go in just a second. But honestly, I think it's a little more insidious than that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's, oh, I heard this from this person. No, it's they heard it from that person and they thought they could make money off of it. And exactly, I think they've yeah, all make yeah. this calculation that there's a pot of gold waiting for yeah. them at the end of the rainbow. And there really isn't. They have no, I mean, they don't have 
two pennies to rub together, but they think that it's going to come down the line. So they're willing to say anything. And yeah. They're willing to just double down on the bullshit, no matter how many times it gets disproven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes, sometimes, like I look, I don't literally look at Dylan, but hypothetically, I look at Dylan, and like we just both got washed out of this machine, and it's like, dude, was that as fucked up for you as it was for me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's why we gel. You know what I mean? Yeah. On that note, I apologize. I do have to go. No, I, I appreciate talk, you I talk being with us. Both of us, dude. Oh. Oh, I know you can. See, Angel, what we we tell stories about Dylan and that he has to go to bed early and it's he's got work and school, but actually he's <laughs> a very very notorious pimp in his corner of the world and he has several lovely ladies that make him quite a bit of change and he has to collect around this time. And this is I understand fact. that. Yeah, no. Hey, I don't, I do my show on Sunday nights because during the week I strip and you know you can't get you know involved with my stripping you're trying to ruin my money, so that's how I make my money. Do I got the face for stripper? I don't think they can see you on the stream, can they? No, well, they will on on YouTube later on. But you guys are looking at me now, like. Did Dylan already leave? I think he left us. Yeah, yeah. He, oh. he couldn't. I think my face scared him off. I think that's what it was. Nah, you got to catch him <laughs> early. <laughs> so no, dude. Go ahead. You're the you're the host. Ask me questions, bro. Relevant. Yeah, no. Uh, it, it's funny uh, because I, I've been wanting to you know bring you on the show here for uh, for a while now. Not just talk about the uh, Zen in the car, but uh, also Kenosense and everything you're working on on the side as well. Uh, but it, it's funny because you know we we all kind of share uh, our thoughts on alternative media, and uh, it, it's the way we met. It was very complimentary because you actually had seen one of my shows, and you're like, "Hey, that's a cool podcast." Uh, and I was like, oh, man, thank you. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this for over a decade now. But every time I hear that from anybody, it, like, it touches me because it means, like, somebody's actually paying attention, you know. And uh, I was uh, very thankful for you guys uh, reaching out and uh, for you in particular uh, for, uh, for giving me that shout-out on the uh, Skype there. And, and of course, you know, everything snowballed from there, and uh, we all got targeted by uh, an individual who shall remain nameless. And, <laughs> and, I don't uh, mind naming him. He's called me out on his shit before. I mean, well, yeah. Well, let's just say we we took the V for victory from uh, from this uh, perpetrator who uh, mm -hmm. wears uh, a nickname that millions of people are using. So very original. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how many times you're gonna take a red pill, but at this point, it's like it's been used already, guy. You know, you're not the original red piller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I like the Matrix movies too, but it's not enough to build a church around. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like, and 20 years later, eh, it's kind of like you know, it's like we've dude. been there. Yeah, we've I don't know. Done that. So yeah, I mean, no, how me and you met is it's like this. This is the way I look at it, Angel. Um, you know, I didn't have the exact same experience getting listening to alternative news. All I knew is that you know, people like us. We have this inclination that whatever the official stories are or whatever the choices that were commonly given left, right, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Democrat, Republican, religious, atheistic, whatever, creation, evolution, we're always given these dualistic choices. There's a certain percentage of us, <laughs> my people, <laughs> Your tribe. my tribe, <laughs> automatically know that whatever we're being presented with, whatever choice, um, they're bullshit. <laughs> They're designed to get us within some type of a thinking paradigm. Mm -hmm. I'm a, uh, you know, and uh, 
so whatever title you have, I'm not it. Whatever agenda that you have, I'm not for it. You know, I look at things as a, a, in a very Captain Kirkish, Kobayashi Maru way, which is there is no no-win scenario. There's always a third way. You know, right. I, I really dig that philosophy. So when I look at any issue philosophically, politically, whatever, and I see two opposing choices being uh, drummed at you with intensity, I go, what's the agenda? What's the third rail that they, they don't want you to touch? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And so I've always been that way, and I think my tribe has too. Is like we, we have this inner knowing that whatever it is that we're being presented with, there's something deeper, something mm-hmm. that's not so prevalent, and something that somebody doesn't want us to know about. Not getting Correct. all creepy and conspiracy theory-ish, but it's like thinking outside of the box in every way. No, so, but it's it's the right it's actually the right mindset to have because as we are getting you know uh, you know hit from all ends here from COVID to the protests, the riots, the police you know defunding and cities under fire. I mean, we're seeing it uh, on our own uh, you know end here that uh, there's definitely stuff going on that is beyond our understanding or our ability to get a grasp on. Yeah. And, and that's something I think is becoming more and more apparent to all of us, no matter what spectrum you lie in, whether you're Republican, Democrat. I mean, you see people now switching parties, which you never saw at such a rapid rate uh, as it's happening now because everybody's kind of confused of what the hell's going on with the world. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a lot going on, man. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. going on on many levels, Angel. And, and – uh, I think that it's incumbent, you know, I, I, with the first go around with ZenOnTheCar.com, when I stop and think about it, and I've talked about where the origins of the site and the, the whole mission came from several times. I won't get into it. People can look it up if they're interested. But it's like the the whole idea of ZenOnTheCar.com in the beginning and now is to bring different voices, cultures, uh, schools of thought, schools of faith, schools of political Areas, religion, all these different areas. See if we can all come together and do like some Socratic dialogue, some philosophical dialogue without getting quote unquote triggered or it coming to blows and just discuss issues that are important. Right. And typically, the necessity for this type of a thing comes around when things just become so absurd. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're in that situation right now. Everything's absurd. <laughs> Everything is absurd. Yeah. Everything is yeah. upside down. Everyone is so confused, and everyone has a, a label or a title or a demographic. I hate that word, demographic. A demographic that they must identify with, you know. And yeah. So, but we do certainly live in interesting times, and me and everyone who does associate with ZenOnTheCar.com, which is a rotating cast of characters, we all believe that no matter what's going on, we don't need to panic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that oftentimes levity of a situation is very curative. Laughter truly is a really wonderful medicine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and oh, I experienced that this week, by the way, with the tragic loss of my friend George. I mean, going back and getting skits and stuff to put together promos and and whatnot, and listening to uh, you know the past uh, recordings that he left behind and laughing. Like, I haven't laughed in a long time. I mean, that helped me get through the week because it's been a rough week, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think I was going to get through, uh, you know, the week, let alone tonight, uh, do two-hour podcasts with, uh, you know, friends from the network and 
and just uh, you know talking about our memories of George and and uh, now doing an extra hour here and then I got more producing after this and I didn't think I was going to get through all that but listening to like you know the the funny side of George and listening to those audio clips really does help laughter is the best medicine without a doubt it really is I mean yeah. and and God knows I mean. You know, I'm a pretty metaphysical guy. I don't really mm-hmm. subscribe to any any label you could put on me. I I think that there's truth in all of it, and there's deceit in all of it. And yeah, same here. Um, yeah. You know, so but what I do believe is that um, there's always a silver lining in things. You know, yeah. even you got to find the beauty in the ugly. You got to, and uh, you're gonna laugh about whatever it is you're going through someday. You might as well do it sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a rip from Tony Robbins, but I think Tony Robbins is a genius anyway. You know, and it's true. <laughs> it is true. You're going to laugh about the like the stuff that you're freaking out about right now. One day it's going to be funny. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like it's you know, guys, there's so much tension in the world between all of these different football issues that let me let me put it to you this way. Um, I had been on a trip last year when Dave Chappelle came out with Sticks and Stones. Now, whenever Dave Chappelle came out with that thing, Zen in the Car was off. The mm-hmm. site was down, and, and the whole concept had been mothballed anyway. But when I got back here in Georgia, where I reside and write from, uh, this controversy about Dave Chappelle using his art form, uh, comedy, to take very important issues and have them addressed in a way which is the arena of how he addressed it was supposed to be through laughter. Yeah. And it's like all of these people who the next day after Sticks and Stones came on Netflix were so upset and air quote triggered, mm-hmm. triggered about a guy doing what he does immaculately, which is yeah. – the is something I believe in very firmly, the philosophical beliefs of the Bill of Rights. He is utilizing his very First Amendment to express... And he's Muslim, by the way, Muslim and Democrat, which is the amazing thing. And they still went after him. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. I mean, everybody was coming down on Dave Chappelle for what I believe was one of the most... I mean, it's art, dude. What Dave Chappelle does is art. He creates emotional and intellectual anaphylactic shock by bringing up hot-button issues and then completely changing your emotional state through laughter. And it's brilliant the way he does it. He's like a ninja. And yeah. and I think it's brilliant because if I don't know Dave Chappelle, I would love to smoke a bowl with him for sure one day. But I imagine that all of the people who get triggered and emotionally react to his stuff, I'm, I'm sure he sits there and just privately laughs and eats it up because I know I would because that's his job is to incite yeah. thought. you know. And that's what the First Amendment really is about is to say unpopular shit mm-hmm. in, un, in very unpolitically correct ways. Correct. And – the reason it is the First Amendment, like you know, Kennedy would have said, you know, it's the First Amendment for a reason. And it, I don't find that it's a coincidence that the Founding Fathers put freedom of the press, which is you and me and George, right? Yeah. And yeah. the legacy he left. I don't think that they coincidentally put that as the First Amendment in the same context of expression of worship. Do you? No, not at all. No, I mean it makes perfect sense. If you think about it, if you're building a country and you want to make it free and open uh, to everybody, it's like, hey, 
whatever you want to worship, whatever you want to, if you want to worship a donkey, you can worship a donkey, you want to worship a cow, you can do whatever you want, as long as we're, we understand that we are sharing this country together. And I think that's the narrative that gets lost on people nowadays, is that they think it's my way or the highway, and that's the only road uh, to, you know, to salvation. And that's not the way it is. It doesn't matter if you're religious, if you're Catholic, if you're Jewish, if you're Muslim, religion out of the way. Uh, yes, this country was built by Christian, uh, you know, settlers, uh, as we know it. Uh, but, you know, they built into the Constitution the freedom of speech, pre- you know, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. Uh, these things are, are, are human rights. And uh, unfortunately, we're seeing that, that that's being stripped away because people that have sinister uh, agendas are driving uh, this country in, in the very wrong direction where they're trying to get rid of things that, you know, built this country and try to get rid of uh, institutions that put this country where it is right now. And I don't think this country is, you know, a racist country or uh, there's net racism in the police force or anything like that. There's bad apples. There's bad cops. There's good cops. I've dealt with both. I've been beat up by cops. I've been helped by police. Uh, so I, I've seen both sides of the spectrum. Uh, when it comes to the, to the police thing, I've seen how people react in the, in the videos, and I'm like, you know, sometimes uh, we tend to blame the police when really they're doing their job, and you got to put yourself in their shoes. They see a lot of crap that we as a society don't get to, to view. So when we hear, oh, one person uh, was shot somewhere, we forget all the crap that that person probably did in their life to get them to that point. And what we forget sometimes is to understand that the police, for example, have to deal with people grabbing their guns and and shooting at them and fighting back and resisting and fighting. I mean, uh, if we live in a society where we're supposed to be civil and, uh, and get along with each other, the police are human beings too. You know who becomes cops? You, me, friends of ours, family members, anybody who joins the police force. It's not like they're in outer space, uh, you know, third race that, co- that comes down and controls the masses. Is We become police officers. So when they attack police officers, a lot of times they're attacking their own family members, their own friends, families, uh, you know, neighbors. And I think people tend to forget that. When I hear about, you know, people getting shot, kids, police officers, it's like, What's the difference? Is they're human beings, and we we tend to like overlook that because, again, our mind is being manipulated by powers that be in play in in society that are telling us, no, this is the way, and now they're moving us in a direction which is very counterproductive to the way this country is. I'm a proud American. I love this country. Uh, I'm neither Democrat or Republican. I don't swing either direction. I am in the middle. Independence of where I voted for Trump, I voted for Obama. The reason I voted for Trump and I. I didn't vote uh, for Hillary is because she was the worst candidate possible. And uh, after eight years of Obama, I was like, you know what? He let me down as president. And uh, I, I've been knowing about Trump for decades, and I followed uh, before he was a politician. And for years, I was saying on this podcast and other shows uh, that what we need in this country is a business guy, not another lawyer career politician who's been in Washington for 30 years and has made millions of dollars with lobbyists and and has people running the shows behind them. No, what we need is a business guy who gets shit together, puts us back to work, 
puts uh, the head, you know the country first and uh, foremost. And I, I do think Trump has done that in, in a very tough situation because he has the entire left against him. All the media is you know bought out against him. Uh, and, and a lot of them are bought out. They're lying through their teeth. You see Jeff Zucker at CNN, conspiracies, lies. They, they, you know, they they follow up on things that are made up, like the Russian hoax, which is complete nonsense. But they overblew that into out of proportion into this big deal because they're trying to impeach the guy before he even became president. Before he took the Oval Office, Nancy Pelosi said on the air, "We're going to impeach this guy." Now, how do you impeach somebody who's not even officially sworn in yet and who has not even committed a crime? How can you say we're going to impeach him? That tells you there's an agenda behind the scenes. They don't like this guy because he's not part of the oligarchy that they're part of. He doesn't have the same kind of people behind him. Plus, he's a danger to their institution. And now those uh, those bricks are starting to fall apart. And we're starting to see behind the, uh, that wall that they've had built for years that they really are scumbags. When you look at Nancy Pelosi, you know, Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, all these people that are in Congress, these people are evil, evil people. Uh, you know, I, I look at Black Lives Matter, for example, and I know that this has been getting a lot of headlines all over the media. And while the sentiment, Black Lives Matter, of course Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. White lives, black lives, Latinos lives, every human being's life matters. But the reason they're pushing Black Lives Matter as a organization, not as a train of thought or a, a movement of consciousness, which is black lives, white lives, all lives matter, which is what it should be, because we're all human beings, they're pushing that agenda because at the end of the day, they're feeding a company called Act Blue, which is going right back into AOC's campaigns. Jerry Nadler's pockets, Nancy Pelosi's pockets. So who are they really standing up for? They're not giving money to the black community. They're not helping black people get empowered in any, in any way. They're not bringing jobs to urban areas. What they're doing is they're feeding white politicians on the left and giving them hundreds of uh, thousands of dollars to continue to destroy this country. And that's something that, that a lot of folks are not waking up to yet. They don't understand that. But it's funny because you can do your own research. Don't take my word for it. Go to the Black Matters website. Find who's funding them. It's right on their website. Act Blue. The money's going directly to that company. Who is Act Blue? Find out who they are. You can see for yourself who they support and who they are funding. And it's mind-boggling how easy it is to take over people's mind and manipulate that. And I know that, uh, you know, doing radio... Once you get into like certain subjects, you tend to like either put people off or you bring people on board who are like-minded. And there's very there's very little gray area when it comes to politics because you either are set in one direction or another. But unfortunately, we're in a country where it's a melting pot and we all have to listen to each other. And, and the only way we can do that is if we come together as a people. Forget the divisiveness, the divisions, the black, the white, the Latino. We're all human beings. I was born in Cuba. I was raised in America. I'm an American. You know, that's I'm a citizen. I've been here for decades. Uh, it doesn't make me less American than somebody who was born here two years before I was born because I got here at two years old. I still love this country, and I do not want to see it turn into Cuba. Like, see the flag behind me there. I don't want to see this country turn into a shithole. 
uh, like Venezuela, like Cuba, like Haiti, and that's unfortunately the direction we're seeing. Look at California, the the state that's in right now, uh, Minneapolis, where the whole thing with George Floyd took place. Look how that is uh, right now. They're five hundred billion dollars in the hole, and they're asking the president, "Can you help us?" When he was offering help, they didn't want to take it. None of these uh, Democrat states wanted to take the help. Now they're begging for money. It doesn't work that way. That's not the way it works. That was, without a doubt, Angel, a lot of words you just said. That's all right. That's how I roll. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to have to at this point in time because I'm looking at the clock. I'm going to have to plead the fifth on a lot of what you said, though I, <laughs> I I was grinning from ear to ear as you did. And the reason I'm going to have to take the the fifth on a lot of it is is one, um, I have made it just a rule of thumb to avoid conversations about Trump. <laughs> Period. It has it has saved me a lot of headaches to just say I'm not talking about Trump. There's enough people talking about it, and I don't give a shit. Okay, this is this was me. And and you could I don't want to even want to get into Trump, but I stopped paying attention to the news when he was announced as the Republican nominee. At that point, I had internal clocks that said I need to pay attention to other things in life rather than politics because I'm a huge activist. Okay, for several reasons that we'll get into. Um, but then you get into issues like uh, well, what's going on with the police. Anybody who's ever followed Zen in the car dot com or people like me or Jason Patrick, who I want to give a huge shout out to in just a second, um, know that we got into this game in our local area here in Georgia in the 8th Congressional District uh, years ago, back in 08. Okay, talking about police brutality and Mm -hmm. what's going on with the militarization of police and why that's going on and what's going on with um, our intervention in foreign countries and we shouldn't be doing these things. And, you know, all of us basically were constitutionalists looking at things going, this is simple shit. The issues that face our country are really simple. And guess what? The fucking founding fathers weren't nitwits. They studied every republic in, in human history that we could figure and they figured out what went wrong and what went right. Okay, they gave us every single tool that we needed to keep a republic, a republic. And what what, the unfortunate thing is that with a republic, because a republic to as far as I know, is the best form of government, if you must have one. But we're not ruled by angels, are we? So we must. So the republic is, in my opinion, the best form. I mean, honestly, if you look at the Bill of Rights, I'm a spiritual guy. I operate from that area first, and I believe that the Bill of Rights is based off of the trial of Christ, which whether you believe it's literal or allegorical, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be literal to be true. Mm -hmm. Okay, And we're talking about a sinless man, an innocent man, a man who has committed no sin, committed no crime, is the story of this guy, and he – because of his free speech and his expression of truth, despite what the church and state has to say, was nailed to a fucking cross by the state and the church. Okay, The founding fathers and the Bill of Rights basically reverse engineered everything that went wrong with an innocent man to protect the rights of the individual. individual. So me, Angel, when I look at any agenda – that is trying to get me to go borgify and lose my individuality in ideals, like anything that has a title, essentially. Are you a Baptist? Nope. Are you a Buddhist? No. Are you mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter? Uh-uh. Are you White mm-hmm. Lives Matter? Uh-uh. Are you any title? No. Are you any demographic? Look, don't fucking assimilate me into your hive. Mm-hmm. I am an individual, okay? And 
I, but I see that kind of going on. Now, so a lot of it is in the But car. the only tribe you do belong to is the human race. That's the only one. That's the only, We cannot escape that. We're all human beings. Other than that, everything else is, uh, you know, it's just yeah. uh, added on for no reason yeah. to divide us. That's it. No, it's all, it's all to cluster us up and, and see the differences within one another rather than the, the commonality. Yeah. I mean, like, and I make no bones about it. I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and I very much um, identify with the philosophy of the Vulcans, which is IDIC, infinite yeah. versity in infinite combinations. You know, I dig those ideals. You know, so I resist on a soul level any attempt by any organization to get me to put a, a name tag on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I live by a similar model. Is uh, do no harm. Do no harm. Yeah, First, do no yeah. harm. Yeah. Actually, that topic came up earlier today. So, no, no a lot of a lot of these modern issues, and I'll getting to the Star Trek references. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Always have been, and you know, we had a lull in Star Trek for a while. And when I was actually debating on whether or not to bring ZenInTheCar.com back, like for a second go. Because um, we had a five-year hiatus, um, a lot of people had told me, you know, they they were advising against it. Don't go back. Don't backpedal. And I'm sitting here going, no, I'm pretty sure that my spirit's telling me that it's time for for that kind of an idea to come back. You know, because anybody who knows the history of us was we kind of succeeded. You know, all the the original members went off on their own paths, but they made tremendous headway in the areas that they were supposed to. So it's time for a second go around. But when I was kicking the idea around about a year ago to bring it back with a new rotating cast of characters because of these current events and the absurdity of our day, because it's absurd, Angel. You and I both know that. Yeah. All absurd. Um, I listened to an interview with Patrick Stewart because the new show Picard has returned. Sir Patrick, yes. Yeah, Sir Patrick. And somebody asked him, I think it was Will Wheaton, they said, why do you think that all of a sudden there's this massive resurgence in Star Trek? And as a true Star Trek geek that digs Gene Roddenberry's humanism and the idea that we are capable of doing great things together, you know what I mean? I listened to, I watched Patrick Stewart kind of look down and then look back up at the interviewer and he said, <coughs> right now, the world needs Star Trek more than ever. The philosophy of Star Trek more than ever, right? And after I'd seen that interview with Patrick Stewart, I said, that's the motivation for bringing Zen in the car back, which is these issues like George Floyd, for example. I have gotten emails, text messages, Skype messages and calls from so many people asking me what my take on all this is. And anybody who follows me knows that I've been suspiciously quiet. I haven't addressed it because I do have a lot to say about this issue. Because I don't think it's a single issue. I don't think it's about race. I don't think it's about police brutality. I don't think it's about Republican or Democrat. I think that it's more complex than that. And if people want to know what I think about it, then that means that people listen to me, and I'm now responsible for what I say. You know, If one person takes what I say to heart, I have to really weigh the consequences of what I have to say about these important issues that we're all facing. And so I can't willy-nilly just react. And that's why I'm always suspicious of alternative media when they automatically have a response. It's like, dude, the news cycle, I get it, but you didn't even have time to think (laughs) about what the fuck's going on before you just It's it's, it's like it's all scripted, though, Daniel. That's the problem. It's like they – Yeah, it's all all a script they're following. That's the problem. And and you and I and Dylan and and, uh, the other guys at Zen, we know that too. 
that they it's like, dude, if you already have a solidified opinion about an issue within less than twenty four hours, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. You are you are fishing for clickbait and you're doing more harm to the situation than good. Go yep. fuck yourself. There's a door over there, it's got the word fuck on it. Go out of it. Okay? So especially with what's going on right now across our country with COVID, for example, which, you know, I'm kind of snitty about that, too. But I got a lot to say about that. But I got a lot to say about the whole George Floyd thing and the BLM thing. And I know that I want to think about it. (laughs) I want to make sure that what I say is responsible. And even if it hurts others, uh, you know, or their feelings, it has to be true. Because at the end of the day, people like you and me and other people who are supposed to be the champions of the First Amendment, we are accountable to what is true, not necessarily what is popular to say or, or politically correct or sensitive right. to everyone's feelings. We have to acquiesce to truth. Yep. And everybody's worried about their feelings these days. Feelings. Oh, you hurt my feelings. It's like breaking a fingernail, you bunch of sissies. Uh, it, it's amazing how people are, get, are so sensitive about Every little thing you can't even uh, express yourself without hurting somebody's feelings or or getting yelled at. Uh, it's funny because I often I wear my mega hat uh, in public and and I get this weird look from people and I'm like, Your what you know, hat? my mega hat, my Trump hat, the red one. Okay. I I have one, and I, I wear it on purpose just to see you know if, if I'm gonna get any shit you know uh, from people. And uh, I've been called the Nazi. I've been called uh, a Jew hater. I've been called all kinds of things. And I'm like, that's funny because I'm Cuban. My brother's half black. My mother is, uh, let's see, she has Indian and Chinese in her family. She married a black man. She had uh, she had a black siblings because her mom was married to a black person. So I have a black aunt. Uh, I have uh, black cousins. My godmother was black. My godfather was black. Uh, rest in peace to both of them. They passed away now. Uh, let's see, I got cousins that are black. I have, uh, you know, a lot of black in my family. I, I'm pale as hell because I, I tend to, uh, you know, lean towards my dad's side of the family, which is Spain and Italian. So I, I tend to lean a little bit on that end. But, uh, my family is as mixed as they come. So when somebody calls me a Nazi, I laugh because they're, like, they're just making an assumption or something they have no clue on. And then when they find out I'm Latino, they're like, oh, but you're going to get deported too. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a citizen. They ain't going after me. I came here legally, buddy. They're I'm, going after I'm, the illegals. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if you and I hung out together, we'd so get shot because I tried. I'm from the south, yeah. you know. Uh, I tried to wear a uh, in Portland, Oregon. I tried to walk around downtown with a hashtag Meninist shirt. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not a Meninist. I don't give a shit about any of that. But yeah. it's like I thought. You know, it's just I thought it would be funny. But I was quickly, quickly saved from instant death. Don't wear that. <laughs> when you're from Georgia and you're in Portland, Oregon, and you yeah. go around a little bit, you realize, yeah, it was probably probably in poor taste or not a good idea. No, not a good idea. <laughs> Don't want Antifa on me, you know? No, good. No, mad no. this week about whatever the fuck. But yeah, so it's like, hello, Angel. Uh, so I thought to myself after hearing Patrick Stewart say that and looking at the absurdity of the world as it is now in this country which has so much potential, it was time for us to do it, to come back and to be a stick in the eye of these assholes and the alternative media who are made. 
worse. When does the show uh, air? Uh, what, like, what's the date on the uh, the show? Do you have a periodic date that you posted, or is it like uh, just randomly? Right now. Uh, Dude, I mean, it's not a show. I mean, really, honestly, what ZenOnTheCar.com is, is it, it did start off as a website, but now it's more right. geared towards people who are traveling in their car with a right. smartphone. So the website, if, you ha- if you're in the car, which is where most people listen to podcasts and things like that, um, the bedrock of Zen in the Car has always been writers and authors like myself and Dorian Flagg and John Michael Warner, people like that. And then we kind of express off of it you know, in different ways. Um, so it's always been authors, writers, uh, commentators, but we then we dig the concept of traveling and enlightenment and Zen in the car, listening to talk radio or podcasts in the car. So we made it very friendly for drivers. So if you if an article is posted, you can listen to the audio. The images are very easily clickable, so that you can you know at a red light or a stop sign, click on whatever you need to. And from the site, we have the YouTube. Uh, which is mostly listenable. You know, there's some images and things like that, but we don't want to distract the driver. Um, how we act, we're actually posting? Nah, dude, we have, we detest structure for the <laughs> illusion of order. <laughs> so it's, well, you gotta do well in podcasting. <laughs> yeah. That's a, we, you know, we, we basically, we ask ourselves, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same shit expecting the same, you know, different results or whatever, and we look at yeah. all these alternative media asshats who are basically sucking Alex Jones's sperm down their throat and then regurgitating it, you know, that's what they're doing. And they're 20 years behind what's actually going on. Nobody gives a shit about live radio, really. You know what I mean, Angel? Me and you've discussed this shit. Nobody cares about stuff like that. It's all mm-hmm. convenience-based now. So it's like I'm looking at what they're doing, and I'm like, oh, no, that's working. We're just trying to get content out. But yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's like people are keep they keep asking us what what it's about, and we released the about video, which I think you shared, didn't you? Yeah, it, uh, it's it's uh, I think on my website I shared it when I posted the, the stuff up on there. Yeah, but it doesn't. Um, yeah. it doesn't really tell you what we're about. Right, you know? right, right. And there never will be anything that's concrete. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm starting to figure that out myself. Yeah, it's ineffable. I mean, you know, I I recently picked up, um, I asked myself, what is the purpose? What are we doing? And I picked up, I said, you know, it's been a while. So I went and picked up Thomas Paine's Common Sense, you know, um, the guy that really started the revolution with his words. And I'm looking in the foreword and, you know, I underlined it. It said, um, in, in regard to Thomas Paine, it said, his writing was as fiery as it was earthy, a master wordsmith. Payne wrote directly to plain people, not to monarchs, aristocrats, or the wealthy. He wanted to persuade his readers of their human rights and equality, and he wanted them to abandon the discredited ideas of heredity, rule, rank, and privilege. And I said, that's what we're about. That's what Zen in the Car is in every way that we can express it. Speaking to plain people about their equality, <laughs> you know, and about common sense shit. You know, and if we do it through humor or snarkiness, then so be it. If Definitely. it offends you or triggers you, it's not for you. <laughs> you knew what we were when you married us. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, quickly before we we uh, we go, because we got we got to get going here in a minute. Uh, I wanted to uh, bring up Canisense also. Uh, you know, give a, a little rundown of what's going on with that, and uh, for those who are listening, uh, also plug the websites again and the URLs so people can make sure they uh, go check them out. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm passionate about a lot of things, and one of the things I am passionate about is access to medical cannabis. I believe that um, every single citizen on the planet, and specifically in America, has a right to treat their mental, emotional, and physical ailments in any way they see fit, so long as they're not harming anybody else. And I think that the uh, criminalization of cannabis has been a crime for a very long time. Um, I've been an activist uh, for cannabis decriminalization for a long time. An organization came along in 2014 called Canisense Total Wellness. Um, they were very liberty-minded, which I philosophically identify with, and they were very much proponents of the, uh, cannabis as a medicine. Um, so you had two super-duper ideals. I jumped right into it and joined this collective, and it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, and I've talked about it ad nauseum for the past few years. People can Google Daniel Lewis Crumpton plus Canisense to get all the information, but I'll keep it simple and small. If you're listening and you're in any area of the United States of America where you cannot get access to medical cannabis, where you have to go under a bridge or at a gas station at late at night to get medicine that you don't even know is medicine and you don't know what's in it. Or your local high school. Or your local high school, <laughs> and you're, you're tired of being um, paranoid about having your medicine to be able to function in life, especially you veterans with PTSD, you people who are fighting emotional disorders and things like that. You are yep. not criminals, and Canisense is a collective that basically makes it okay to, to, to be somebody who medicates and makes their life better through cannabis, um, and we offer – we offer an apothecary online for you to procure your medicine safely with lab results, medical grade. Um, you join our collective. You get access to that. A lot of other benefits. Just go to getcanisense.com. If you have any questions about it, there's a live chat button in the bottom right-hand corner. You can click that or you can call 1-833-633-4208. Say that you heard about Canisense Total Wellness on uh, Inside the Jackal's Head. Um, Ask us any questions you like, but basically, if you're out there and you're ill, you need to stabilize with medical cannabis, go to getcanisense.com and ask us for help. Somebody will respond to you, and uh, we'll, we'll get you stabilized as best we can and uh, get you a steady supply of clean medicine that you can rely on with a lot of other cool stuff, too. So uh, I think uh, you're going to be joining pretty soon, right, Angel? <laughs> that is correct, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, I partake in uh, the need of uh, a good old uh, – Canisense workup, so I'll definitely be joining up pretty soon. And I, I urge everybody who's you know uh, into uh, self medicating, especially right now since we can't go to the hospital for every little thing. Yeah, you know this is a great way of doing it, and, and I appreciate you doing uh, this for for people out there. I mean, we, we've had uh, talk in private, you and I, about this, and uh, uh, folks, you know, everything he's saying is from the heart. He really, I mean, he's trying to help folks out, so. Uh, check it, out the websites and uh, and be supportive. Yeah. It's Something. a it's a it, Canisense Total Wellness is the brainchild of uh, my friend and mentor Neil Schloss. Um, it, it's a wonderful organization and we really really care. I mean, all mm -hmm. of us have been impacted by this issue of medical cannabis in this country and it's ridiculous. And you know now we have a common banner and a common message and a common method for not bypassing. A lot of people say that what Canisense does is like finding legal loopholes. No, it's right. not. We're standing on our rights as Americans, and we're breaking all the stupid legalese down to what it is, which is nonsense. You're an American. You have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If that means cannabis, then we're going to provide it because that's our right, and there is no inferior court that can override your right to have access to this medicine. And so that's what we do, and so it's a cool, hip 
bigger than Ron Paul revolution type thing, in my opinion. It's only getting bigger by the day, and um, it's a uh, it's a uh, very <laughs> humbling to be a part of it. It really is definitely, man. definitely. Thank you for being here with us, man. I appreciate you spending your time. And uh, guys, uh, check out his websites and uh, make sure you support. Uh, it's a good cause, especially check out zeninthecar.com. Yeah, you can. Uh, you go to zeninthecar.com. We got all of our social media IVs that you can stick in your veins from Instagram to Twitter to the YouTube channel, which is <laughs> hilarious. There, yes, it um, is. If you're <laughs> if, if you're sensitive, uh, you get butt hurt easily. Go somewhere that's else. A, yeah, that, that's uh, the door. Uh, go and uh, walk right through it. Just keep going. <laughs> Just keep on going. Um, if you're a targeted individual, I'm watching you. And uh, yeah. I, I <laughs> get get that mop out of your head, and you'll be okay. <laughs> Um, so there it is, man. We're here. Me and Dylan, we, we chuckle because it's like we are the alternative media's worst nightmare, and there's nothing they can do to shut us up. And it's Definitely. perfect. So thanks, Angel, for having us, man. Um, I do tip my hat off to you because I know that my name is a rather slurred name in our inner circles and Rolodexes, and uh, I really thank you for not being one of the assholes that uh, – would acquiesce to the orders from on high not to have me on. I really appreciate it. No, no problem. You're welcome here anytime you want to come on and uh, and join the uh, conversation. And uh, I definitely want to, you know, uh, not only join the program, but I want to make you a part of uh, my show here, like I said, whenever you want to be on. And uh, I'll ask you, you know, periodically to come by and uh, be part of the conversation. I mean, you've been nothing but gracious and and cool with me since I've met you, so I have no issues uh, whatsoever. And I don't censor. On this network, you have your own expressions, your own uh, belief system. Uh, by all means, you know it's 100% open to, to everybody's ideals, uh, because at, at the end of the day, we all are individuals. We all in train of thought, even though we share this small little planet. <laughs> you know, we're all human beings. Yeah, but yeah. every voice matters. Yeah, we're all walking each other home. But yeah, guys, yeah, if you, if you want to subscribe at zenonthecar.com, so you, every time we put anything out, you can get it. Um, if you or anyone you know needs access to medical cannabis from flour to edibles to, uh, you know, what's commonly known as RSO oil, please go to getcanasense.com, mm-hmm. ask for a caregiver with the live chat, or call us at 1-833-633-4208 and just say you heard us on Inside the Jackal's Head. We'll, you know, you don't have to know all this constitutional stuff. We're going to walk you through it, and we're going to educate you, get you stabilized, and get you a steady flow of good medicine so you can really – have that whole life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness thing because that's what you're here for. It really Definitely. is. Guys, we're going to uh, let you go for the evening now. And uh, for those listening on PSN Radio and uh, SoFlow Radio, I want to thank everybody who uh, took part on the uh, show tonight. Quick shout out Global Invitement Radio Network, the great Odin, uh, who has been running our show also on there. Uh, for everybody who's listening, and we had a lot of people listening on the stream tonight on both ends. And, uh, you know, it's uh, been a difficult time for me to get through all these three hours, but, uh, you know, we're, we're through it. And uh, I want to tell everybody to remember George for who he was, remember the uh, the person that he uh, was and how he touched you. And uh, just check out the GoFundMe again. Go to my website, angelespino.com. Uh, we're going to be pro- uh, pushing that and promoting that as much as possible on the website. And uh, this podcast will be up there uh, shortly after tonight, uh, for sure, be on there. 
Uh, hopefully, uh, the week is not as rough as uh, it's been uh, next week coming up. I want to also uh, give uh, my well wishes to a good friend of ours who uh, is in the hospital or just got out of the hospital this uh, last couple of days. Uh, who had a, yeah, a stroke, and uh, we wish him nothing but uh, the best, and uh, he's in our prayers. Jordan Maxwell, who has, uh, uh, you know, been a real trooper. Absolute titan. Yeah, he's a, a monster in this game, and uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he's a friend and somebody we've uh, spoken to uh, means the world also to us, and uh, hopefully we get to have him around for a, a lot longer. He uh, right now is battling a stroke, and uh, hopefully he's doing better. And our thoughts and prayers are with uh, Jordan Maxwell as well with the uh, Rodriguez family, George's family. And, uh, you know, it, it is uh, life, and uh, that's the way it deals uh, with all of us. You know, eventually we are going to get to that point, and, uh, you know, I've dealt with a lot of it myself over the last few years. It's never fun when you lose a friend, a loved one, or a family member. Uh, but it's something that, at the end of the day, helps, I think, uh, when we have things like this happen now, you know, when we have shows like this that, you know, bring people together that these people touched, they kind of, like, show us, you know, that, you know, we all do make a difference, even though at the time we're here, we might not understand or realize the difference we're making. Uh, we all do touch people, and we all do make that difference. And, George, wherever you are, uh, God love you. God bless you, man. I miss you already. And, uh, you know, one day we'll all be in, together uh, doing shows from the uh, the great beyond. I do believe that. And, uh, again. Hey, uh, Angel, we might already yeah. be doing that, bro. <laughs> That's uh, the Zen in the car that we don't even know about. We're already <laughs> driving in that path. Guys, till next week, Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. This is Angel Espino from Inside the Jackal's Head. Again, check out the website, angelespino.com. Give to the GoFundMe account. And please, please stay safe. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.